0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on December the 18th, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, so full of surprises,
1: Caffeine Rage.
0: On today's show, we will be discussing the games that I played this week. <laughs> We'll be going through our December Game Club, which is Reciteer. We'll be announcing our next Game Club game for January. Escape from Tarkov Debs are filing false DMCA claims against content creators. One of the stars of Fresh Prince sues Epic over Fortnite's use of the Carlton Dance. A Fallout 76 update points to incoming lunchboxes, and yes, they could be loot boxes. We'll be discussing our votes for the upcoming Steam Awards based on the nominees. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics, and of course no one will know that I flubbed that until I say it now, because I'll edit it. How are you, Rage?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right, a little sort because I decided to take a hobble when I really shouldn't have, but I was getting a little stir crazy, so needed to get out of the house. So yeah, Uh, feeling a little sore. Uh, Actually, feeling all right otherwise.
0: Well, that's good. (laughs) I am not Uh, feeling stir crazy. I am a little sore. My joints are hurting today. I'm just an old. I'm just becoming an old man. I'm going to the doctor uh, sometime pretty soon, right after the start of the new year, for just like a physical and a uh, get an oil change, a
1: a little bit of a rotation. Uh, yeah. Uh, get your, uh, get skull flaked by another robot.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to, uh, I got a lot of problems. My list of problems is growing. I've got joint pain. I've got one of my fingers. That's got a spot on it. That is like numb all the time. And that's yeah, not that, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously that's not good.
0: I, I mean, um,
1: uh, my thing is pretty much from the left knee down is numb just due to nerve damage. And because yeah. I have a limp, uh, if I well even if I walk with a cane it eventually develops but i eventually just strain my back if i walk too much and that's pretty much uh, my health problems that and well i'm a fat fuck
0: yeah i'm losing weight i've lost another couple of pounds since thanksgiving and that's a miracle because <laughs> yeah, of how really. much stuff i'm you know it is the you know time of year but yeah so i've got my the middle finger on my left hand on the side is mm-hmm. like numb there's just no feeling. So that's not good. I don't know if I've injured it or if there's some overall other health concern that... Because, I mean, neuropathy can come with a number of chronic conditions, none of which are good. I'm worried that I have arthritis. There's a lot of people in my family who have arthritis, and neuropathy is one of the side effects of certain types of arthritis. Uh, And that would Uh, explain uh, how much my joints hurt.
1: Just to make clear here, in the podcast... I'm the old man.
0: Yes, you are the older one of the two of us. But, and then mm-hmm. I've got just a couple of places on my skin I want to get checked out. I They're probably nothing, probably like skin tags or moles or whatever, but, you know, skin cancer also has been in the family, so I'd rather avoid any issues. Sheesh,
1: you're just falling apart.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's not talk uh, about uh, the problems with my penis. <laughs> I couldn't resist. My my penis is fine, guys, in case you're wondering. Sometimes it itches, but I think that's normal. Well, that's just uh, the
1: excuse you used to scratch it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't really need an excuse to touch myself. Wink. And that's a wrap, folks. <laughs> yeah, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. I will uh, miss our uh, entire audience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did see that we did have a new follower on Podbean, but not
0: anymore, it seems. It's been a good run, guys. This is how I'm uh, choosing to shut down the show. Um, Thanks for participating. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your life. I'm going to go scratch myself publicly. (laughs)
1: Like you need an excuse for that.
0: Yeah. No. Um... Uh, so you know, should, I I,
1: should I launch into my story because I remember I had the bread machine story.
0: Yep, go for it. The Houdini. So,
1: yeah, Houdini, and and it'll make sense why. All right, so uh, Jared and Katie sent me a bread machine and some goodies uh, uh, for Christmas, and well, let's just put it uh, uh, this way: it started off already a little iffy. Uh, written on the side of the box in big, nice, bold letters, Fragile Okay. <laughs> Care to guess the first thing the postmaster does? Smash it. Drop it. Nice. Not a good sign, but okay. Uh, Luck at home. Uh, plug it in, it makes a good sounding beep, so yeah it it, it works, it didn't uh, produce any magic smoke, but yeah, I needed to clean the pan because uh, there was uh, a dinner roll, or about half of one stuck in it (laughs) so I ended up spending about a day just soaking it and cleaning it, soaking and cleaning I couldn't pull the kneading uh, paddle off of it though because that sucker stuck on good, just, well I mean, uh what happens when you mix flour and water?
0: They, it makes like a pasty stuff. You exactly. get dough.
1: Well, no, no, it creates a paste. Yeah. And it's pretty much just cemented on. I think I, in order to get it off, I'm going to have to get a mallet and a chisel. So probably not worth it. But anyway, so I got it Saturday, soaked it overnight, uh, Saturday night into Sunday, Still, meh. But fine. Well, it's good enough. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know mostly where uh, it's been, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, nowhere crazy. So, fire it up, and I decide to use pretty much my bog standard uh, recipe for uh, white bread, which is an Amish white bread. Probably not the smartest thing to put in a bread machine because it's going to revolt, but we'll risk it anyway. Okay, It's pretty much the you know, the most standard bread uh, recipe that you can have. You know, flour, water, oil, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, throw it in. Uh, get it mixing. It's not supposed to take a drink. Uh, and uh, the machine fires up and it starts uh, uh, making a nice uh, ball of dough inside. Excellent. It works. It's alive! <laughs> so... Uh, I push it back on the counter and then walk away, go back to the computer and start poking around online, uh, you know, taking a little bit of a break. About half an hour later, there's a crash. Okay. And I'm, and I thought, what the fuck is that? I go into the kitchen. The bread machine has tried to escape. (laughs) Okay. It walked a good foot off and fell off the counter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a new one on me. That thing never moved when we used it.
1: I guess it's just that uh, the uh, dough, uh, the uh, Amish white bread is a rather thick uh, dough to begin with until it gets uh, uh, kneaded and then it becomes a really, really soft uh, dough. But it tried to escape. It, It... so, its name is Houdini now.
0: It wanted to come home. <laughs> I miss my old home.
1: I'm being forced to work here. I don't like this. Uh, and it ejected the dough and actually uh, knocked off the lid. I was able to snap it back on, but the hinge is loose now. It gives it character. It's fine. Uh, but now, uh, well, the second time I used it, plugged it in, moved the toaster, shoved the fucker All the way into the corner of the counter, and then flanked it with my (laughs) uh, knife block and the toaster, and pinned it in. (laughs) And I thought, okay, if it escapes this time, we're getting the paracord, and I'm I'm getting an anchor. If it escapes then, Chinese water torture tank, and we're going on tour.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. The little bread maker that could
1: yeah i mean it just let's put it this way when i went downstairs to socialize today uh, because uh, after my hobble i come home and uh, if there's people downstairs uh sitting and chatting i'll uh you know uh, uh chat as well and uh yeah you know. I- i'm trying to be a good neighbor you know like state farm yeah which also has, uh, yeah, had which had some uh interesting uh, consequences because uh, i seem to be uh, pseudo handyman for uh, the neighbor across the uh, hallway now, but that's another story. Uh, but, uh, my next door neighbor was down there and, uh, she asked if I was alright. I said, why? Because she heard the bread machine crash and thought I fell <laughs> and was about to come over, uh, and uh, then she heard the cursing and thought, oh, he's fine. <laughs> I'm the, uh, the, the lady that lives in the apartment under me must think, you know, something is going on up here because uh, there's been crashes. There's uh, I've been hobbling around as I've uh, uh, done things. It's just a uh, good thing she's mostly deaf, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought you would enjoy the bread machine story. Don't worry. It still works. And it actually, uh, it, it does an interesting thing to the, uh, to that recipe. Uh, the because of the way the bread machine is made. As I hear a train, so we pause here. I'm not sure if that's on this side of the track uh, of the river or not. So give it a moment. So edit point, right?
0: Yay, editing.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess it's on the other side. So, uh, the bread machine does an interesting thing to my Amish white bread recipe. It, I'm pretty sure it's doing a double rise. I I would have to go into the uh, manual to double check that which changes the texture of bread. Welcome to the cooking portion of the podcast by the way. Uh basically whenever bread is a double risen or technically triple risen depending on the you know, actual terminology here it makes the grain of the bread finer and finer so whenever you have a homemade loaf that has a very rough texture that's just you know, a very quick rising bread. Uh, this has a very fine and soft texture to it, but it's not quite as flavorful because it, uh, it rises faster, so it doesn't have much time to develop the flavor in it. Yeah, you know, from the yeast. Yeah, and also because the heating element is pretty much just right under the bread pan uh, whenever it's baked, uh, the bottom of the bread is almost baguette-like. It's real; it has a real thick and crunchy crust, while my handmade version of it, it has a very light crust to it. It's interesting. It's a uh, definitely, a. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that different on the same recipe. Interesting. I, I will be uh, using it some more. Uh, if at worst, uh, you know, uh, watch it try to run away again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't well, believe it did that. It must just be because it's such a thick dough.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, like I said, that's never happened to me before.
1: Or, or maybe it just misses you.
0: Maybe. It, it, missed, home. It,
1: it missed the quiet life. Uh, d- does it have a friend in the closet that, uh, that we shouldn't have broke up?
0: It does not. It was all alone sitting in the pantry with our yeast packets and a uh, big old I, tub of flour.
1: I just had a realization. What? This bread machine. It's you. I should have named it Jared. It likes sitting <laughs> in solitary.
0: <laughs> it likes sitting alone in the closet. <laughs>
1: Just like you, right?
0: No, yes. no, no, no! You're out of the closet. That's right. But it is nice and quiet and dark in the closet, so it's nice in there too.
1: Or maybe I should just uh, sit it with my, my well, not big old tub, but uh, my you know, bag of flour, because I bought flour in bulk.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: All righty. So, yeah, Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately I didn't get to play any
0: games because
1: secret, but
0: right. Speaking of which, you did kind of accidentally a a little bit reveal your secret last week, but Mm. because I am a good editor who is only mostly lazy, I caught it (laughs) and I cut it out. So your secret remains a secret.
1: Why, thank you.
0: I know what your secret is. I don't really know much about it, which is fine. But I know what your secret is, and that makes me feel special. Oh, even really? If I'm really not. Yeah, oh, really. Uh, I well, go I ahead asked and you. Me. I asked you last week, and you were like, "Yeah, that's it." So unless you lied to me, because I, I, I seen that message. That, that was it. I seen that message on Steam chat while we were talking. Hmm. And I was like is this is this the thing that's the secret thing and you were like yes winky face don't tell or something like that. Let's hmm. go back past all the giffy memes. <laughs> Which good luck on that.
1: Uh but anyway, uh games you played?
0: Yeah, the game that I played. Um there was uh really only one. I've got a, a couple of other small things that I'm not really ready to talk about because I think there's like something hidden going on in so the game that I'm playing. And then I just got, I had someone, uh, an old Kerbalcast listener, I asked if they wanted me to like thank them publicly on the podcast. They didn't respond, so I will not say their name, but they gave me uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. So I haven't really had a chance to do anything with that. I installed it and like opened it for like two seconds, and then I was like, "Mm, I really need to go to bed. I don't want to get started, like, dug into something, but. Maybe I'll be able to report on that after Christmas. So, really the only thing I have to talk about today is the first expansion to Battletech, which is called Flashpoint. Um So, some of the things that I might be, like, noticing as changes could have happened in one of the many up- update and rebalancing things that they did since I stopped playing Battletech. But I went on, like, a f- four or five month break with it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I played it for nearly 300 hours, uh, just on the 1.0. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. They've said that they're, you know, going to be releasing some pretty big expansions. Uh, give it a little bit of time for modding to catch up to it. You know, and then come back and play it again later. So, some things that I've noticed that could go either way. Like, I haven't combed through all of the patch notes. So, you know, these could have came... It's at any point down the line, or they could have actually been part of the Flashpoint expansion, but um, there's some, some pretty decent changes. So, first of all, they've rebalanced all, several of the weapon types, um, and have tried to get them more in line, uh, you know, make all weapons viable, because essentially there were a few weapons you'd never use uh, in favor of other weapons that just were much more OP in the game. Like, particularly, it's like, well, why would I take one large laser or one PPC if I could take four medium lasers? They weigh less, they overall have less heat and do more damage. Um, auto cannons were basically useless because of how heavy they were. Like, I talked, complained about that ad nauseum. Like, they're just too heavy and you don't get enough ammo to make them effective. Um, they haven't rebalanced the weights. But in rebalancing some of the other weapons, um, and changing the recoil effect and increasing the stability damage that hits do from, uh, autocannons, they're more effective. Uh, they didn't really change the missiles all that much. They changed the way that LRMs work. So, um, when calculating hit, uh, chances and damage, initially, uh, it was, um, each missile had a chance to hit, like long-range missiles and short-range missiles work the same. Every single missile had a chance to hit, um, whereas now long-range missiles are clusters, so each cluster has a chance to hit and do damage, and subsequent hits, um, the chances get more and more spread out. So so for example, you target the head, Mm -hmm. you want to hit the head with all of your long-range missiles. So the first cluster gets whatever the percentage chance is to hit. Let's say 20%. Um, if, you know, if that's what it tells you when you're doing like a called shot or you've got a downed mech or something. So it says 20%. The first cluster gets a 20% chance to hit the head. Then the second cluster gets like a 15% chance to hit the head. The third cluster gets, and it gets less and less until it bottoms out at, Hey, my phone's not on silent. Oh, Jesus. Multiple text messages. I know, I know, that app, yada yada. <laughs> Anyways, until it bottoms out, and I think it's 2%. So, um, in each cluster of missiles is, is five missiles. So, you know, if you've got like 80, something that fires 80 missiles, then after, what would that be? After like the first four or five clusters, you'd have only a 2% chance to hit the head. Um, but, I mean, the overall chance to hit the mech is still the same. If it's, like, 95%, then every cluster has a 95% chance to hit the mech. But then out of that, you know, it's got a 20% chance to hit the head and then, you know, other places. Whereas short-range missiles, uh, every single missile is a chance to hit um, that specific part that you've targeted. So they've changed the way that that worked. They've also adjusted the percentages of things. So one of the mods that you could get like, would show you the actual real hit percentages, whereas before it was rounding things uh, down, typically. So you would actually have a higher chance to hit, or it would seem, you know, you had a higher chance to hit than it would say. And it still does some rounding, but it's much more accurate now. Um, it still does it to 5% markers, so it still rounds down. But it's not rounding down as far anymore. So if you actually, like, you know, before it would say like 75% chance to hit and it would actually be closer to 85. So it would get rounded down to 80 and then dropped to 75 so that you felt, you know, as a player, you felt like you were getting luckier than you actually were. Whereas now they're completely accurately or not completely accurately, but it, you know, it's not rounding down and then calling it even lower than it actually is. It just rounds it down. Um, yeah. So that's good. Uh, also, I don't know if they've done some rebalancing. Like, no one has confirmed this, and it's not in any patch notes, but it seems that now your uh, relative height matters more. It seems to feel like if you're above an enemy mech, you have a higher chance to hit the head or the the shoulders, and if you're below it, it seems like you have a, a better chance to hit the legs. But, you know, this could be... As, as far as I know, there's no real data out there. It could just be, like, my sort of confirmation bias or whatever playing into that. But I mean, I've, I've put like another 40 hours in to the career mode and I'm, I feel like that's happening. I've certainly got more headshots than I did in the past. um. So I, I don't know if that's some recalculation or some minor tweaks they've made or what. Uh. Otherwise um, they also have changed how the pilot skills work. Um, they readjusted Um Okay, so Juggernaut's gone. Juggernaut was the one that whenever you would punch someone, they would drop one initiative phase. That's gone and it's been replaced with heat or coolant dump, which whenever you activate it, uh automatic or instantly pulls fifty heat off of your mech uh for that turn. I think I like that a lot more. It's got a four turn cooldown. <laughs> cool uh, cooldown. Uh, uh. Um, and then for three turns, following the turn you use it, you generate eight extra heat or you sink at eight less heat per turn. So it's like an immediate bonus. Like if you really need, you know, to use some powerful weapons or an alpha strike, like you can pop it. And then there's a little bit of a penalty, but overall it's still uh, a net, you know, gain on your heat sink capability. And then every, you know, you can use it every four turns. And they've adjusted the way that Juggernaut works to make evasion. Well, they've adjusted evasion and Juggernaut to make movement much more important than it was before. And to make light and medium X much more viable. So previously, uh, you could get a total of six evasion pips. Um, you could only get five if you didn't have a pilot that had the ace pilot skill. And that gave you a sixth evasion pip. Now, by default, you can get up to six evasion pips just, you know, from moving the mech. And then, um, you can get up to a total of nine evasion pips, uh, as you rank up that piloting skill. Um, you can get two evasion pips, even if you don't set that as, like, one of your primary things where you get skills from. She's so each that, of I the... must make, uh, the light mechs uh, a bitch to try to hit. Light mechs are a bitch to try to hit, um... But, so yeah, you can have up to nine evasion pips. Um, but you know, they should f- be. Yeah, just like they should. Um, and even like medium and heavy and assault mechs can technically get up to nine evasion pips. I don't think you can actually move an assault mech far enough to get that many. Um, medium mechs, you have to use maximum jump jets or use one of like those super fast ones like the cicada to get that many. And then I don't think a heavy mech can do it either. Maybe with jump jets. But so that makes them much more viable because even though they're fragile, they get much harder to hit. Um, they retooled the way that um, sensor lock works. Uh, so not only does it reveal uh, an enemy that you can't visually see as long as they're within sensor range, and not only does it remove two evasion, which it did before, but it also gives them a penalty to hit. So uh, it gives them, I think it's a, just a negative one hit chance on their next attack. Around their, their, yeah, on their next attack, so it would be for their next, you know, turn. But that's one attack. Um, so sensor lock becomes more, much more useful now than it, than it could be because sensor lock can strip two points of evasion, whereas a shot can only take one away. So sensor lock has become more useful. Then they redid jug or not juggernaut. They redid. Uh... Oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. The one that that used to give you fifty percent defensive bonus. As long as you didn't move, bulwark. Oh, That's yeah. That's what it's called, bulwark. Right. So they redid bulwark. Um, if you you now no longer get a defensive bonus if you stand still with bulwark, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't give it to you unless you're standing in cover. So if you're standing in trees or you know a forest or on some of the other like unique map areas, so in other like words, it makes it
1: so that you actually have to play the map instead of just oh find a good sniping spot.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep, you have to play the map. You can still use the, what's the ability? The, not called shot, the other one. Master Tactician, is that what it's called? I'm drawing a blank. But it's the one that like resets your um, stability. It lets you go one evasion or one initiative phase sooner. And then it gives you like a maximum defensive bonus. Mm -hmm. Like you can still use that while you're sitting still, but you're using an ability. So yes, you do have to play the map a lot more now so movement becomes much more important you can now use you know get more evasion pips for all mechs but especially lights and mediums yeah that would uh, throw a wrench into my usual tactic was to have a essentially a sniper mech uh,
1: get on a nice hill somewhere and with the bulwark and never move
0: yeah. So the way that Bulwark works now is that it doubles the defensive bonus you get from, from terrain. So by default, you now get like 20%, uh, 20% uh, damage reduction from standing in, in an area that counts as cover. Um, Bulwark doubles that. So it goes from 20 to 40. And then you can, um, Actually, Bulwark adds 20% to it, so it doubles the base defense bonus. And then if you use whatever that ability is that gives you uh, 20 defense, you can get up to 60% damage reduction. So if you're in cover, you use the ability that gives you like maximum defense bonus, and you have Bulwark, you've got a 60% damage reduction. And you can move now, and you still get the Bulwark defense, um, because it applies to cover as opposed to if you sit still. If you do sit still with Bulwark, though, it does re- remove additional, like, stability um, damage that you've taken. So, <laughs> that's still one good part of it. But, yeah, movement is much, much more important than it used to be. They've made some other weapon tweaks, too. Uh, I-, I talked a little bit about how they rebalance, like, the heat and in- damage output of certain weapons. PPCs, now, additionally, uh, every time they hit an enemy, they do an apply an effect called Sensor Scramble, which for every PPC that hits, they get a plus one or a negative one hit penalty. So, you know, you hit a mech with multiple PPCs, you start really dropping their chance to hit, which that's cool. That's something that they do in the other, you know, in the tabletop and in the mech warrior games. The only thing PPCs are missing now is that hitting another mech adds heat to them. (laughs) Although I don't know if they would do that because that would pretty severely unbalance the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, sometimes so uh, uh,
1: lore has to be sacrificed a bit for just gameplay balance.
0: Right, which I totally understand. I mean, the way that or Mexter they have does- to or
1: they have to you know, build uh, the game around the lore and have the game mechanics uh consider it a lot more than what they may have.
0: Yeah. But, so those are all the changes that they made, and I'm not sure if they came in Flashpoint or if they came in between just now and the last time that I played it. But, now let's get specifically to the Flashpoint stuff. So, Flashpoints themselves are mini-story arcs. Um, they can be anywhere from two to five missions long. Um, they can be multiple consecutive deployments, but they're not always, so multiple consecutive deployment. It, in the very end of the campaign, originally, like those last two missions, you could not uh, repair or heal pilots. You just had to do one mission and then immediately the next one. So in some of these flashpoints, you'll have to do that. And I've had one flashpoint where it had three consecutive deployments. So that was fun. Um, but they're little, there are many story missions, which a long time ago when we did the game club, that was one of the things that I said was like this story, the lore of the Battletech universe is like space game of Thrones. And there is so much politics and backstabbing and all kinds of other stuff going on. Like, you know, one of the things that I wanted them to do is expand on that and give way more story-based content. And this is a perfect way to do it. I'm not hundred percent sure how many flashpoints there are. I didn't count. I've done them all except for the Alliance flashpoints, which I'll get to Alliance's in a second. But um I, there was like somewhere around a dozen or maybe 15 um, is kind of what I think. I would have to double check that to be sure. But each flashpoint takes you to an area and it gives you unique little missions. Uh, For example, there was... And they're all sort of things along these lines. So there was one mission that I did where there was a criminal. Uh She was like... The the criminal lady, um, you know, think like Black Widow from from Marvel, except instead of spy, like she's like a super criminal, or maybe like Catwoman would be a better, better example. Sort but of it's an like, anti
1: hero. You know,
0: yeah, sort of, but I mean, you know, she's she's a thief, so a master thief. So you go on this mission, and Does she have you get a hired. <laughs> no, but she is very beautiful. Like they make reference to that, and then they show her at a certain point in the mission. And is. She, she's very beautiful, um. But, but anyways, not as far as I know. But so like you uh, go give over rule there for
1: a little bit of time.
0: You go over there and you accept the mission, and it's like, hey, we're gonna brief you, and so you get like a little story briefing, just like you would for the main campaign. You know, they show up on your bridge, or you get, like a hollow call. They let you know what's going on. You've got you know dialogue options and choices you can make. Um, learn more information. The missions have branching paths, which can result in some very different mission out results from what I've looked up. Um, so they're not like false choices. You can completely miss things or get access to things based on, you know, on your mission choices. So, you know, it, it, this one was a pretty short deployment. It was three missions. Um, and it was like a convoy escort to get them to like a prison complex and then pick her up. And then she like tries to convince you to let her free. And she's like, Hey, you know, if you let me free and you go over here, uh, there's like this equipment, it'll be a great score. You know, we can use your mechs to draw them out and then I'll go in with a little team and steal all the stuff and I'll give you half the profits. And so you can choose to bail on your contract and do that or stick to your contract and take her to the, like the prison, um, ship that's supposed to pick her up. And like in this one, I chose to stick with the, uh, the mission, but then it was like, you can choose to treat her nicely and be like, look, you know, if it had been different circumstances, I would love to have accepted your contract, but I don't bail on contracts. Or you can be like, no, you're a a dumb bitch. And they told me not to listen to you. So I, I went with like sort of the nice response. And then like in the final mission, like she managed to orchestrate her own escape. But she was like, you know, you had a lot of respect for me, and I have a lot of respect for you. If anything ever comes up, I'll contact you about a job. And, like, later on down the line, she did. Like, I got one of those little things uh, that popped up, like, an event. And she borrowed a team of my mech warriors and did a heist. (laughs) And I got a whole bunch of gear. Because she was like, yeah, you know, you respected me. You were cool. Like, I get it. You know, I just happen to outsmart you. But you're, you're cool. We're cool. Then there was another mission I went on where that uh, another flashpoint where a decision that I made uh, was there was a, a lost tech mech that we found in like this underground bunker and it wasn't like specifically covered in the contract and Yang was like uh for anyone who doesn't remember Yang is like your chief mech engineer mm-hmm. and he was like hey this mech is down here it's not in the contract they were probably trying to hide it from us but since it's not covered in the contract we can take it legally and you can choose to take it or leave it. And I took it. And the commander that had hired me was like, oh, I knew you were going to betray me and take that mech. And we're like, hey, it wasn't in the contract. So this is legal salvage. And he attacked us and we had to kill like uh, an entire battalion of mechs and supporting vehicles. It was a very tough fight. And then the the main like government that hired me with that contract was really pissed off and I took a huge reputation hit with them, like, way more than you could get from just doing a mission against them. It was, like, 50 points of reputation damage. So, you know, there's quite a few of these. Some of them dip into the lore, um, and have to do, you know, do with, like, prominent figures from the lore if you've read the books and things like that. Um, like, for example, you do a mission with Morgan Kell, uh, who is the leader of the Kellhounds, and anyone who's, like, you know, as big a fan of the Battletech universe as I am is going to be like, holy shit, you get to fight with Morgan Kell. And to anybody else, you're like, okay, that's weird. But <laughs> that was cool. Um, they have some unique little things as well, like, you know, beyond just, like, you get money and rewards. Like, each Flashpoint can give you, gives you special bonus rewards when you finish it. And sometimes the choices you make affect those rewards. Um, like, there was one mission where you chase down some pirates that have access to lost tech and essentially it comes down to and like they even sort of make this as like a meta sort of joke in in the mission but it's like basically we're choosing whether or not we want gauze rifles or pulse lasers (laughs) but that's sort of the final mission like you choose which pirate lord to chase down and whichever one you defeat like the final reward you get for the flashpoint is either gauze rifles or pulse lasers but there's also other unique rewards, like you can get morale boosts or drops based on what you do. So, for example, uh, there was another mission where I chose to be honorable and essentially go back and help um, the, a lance that provided support to us during one of the missions, which was cool. Some of them, you actually have true support from other mechs, so that's that's nice, as opposed to just occasionally being like some turrets or an APC or whatever. It was like a full lance of, of battle mechs that helped us out. But then they got in a jam after the contract was over and they were like begging us to come help them. And I could be like, you know, go help them. But you get nothing um, except salvage. Like you get some salvage, but you get no sea bill payout. Or you could, you know, there was like another contract. It's like, well, there's this contract over here we could go do and make some money. And I I chose to like, you know, be honorable and and go help out those people because they helped me out before. But it dropped my crew's morale because they're like, well, we're mercenaries. I mean. We're glad you've got a conscience, but we want money, boss. So I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, you made the moral choice, but is it, you know, what a mercenary would have really done? Who knows? So there's lots of little things like that. Um, Like I already mentioned, you could get bonus reputation boosts or drops based on decisions you make. So the Flashpoint system is really neat, and I just wish there was more. Um but there are Alliance Flashpoint missions, and these are longer. This is, like, the one that I just did was, like, five missions long. Um, and so you can, your reputation actually matters a bit more now. So each of the major factions, including the pirates, you can gain and lose rep with. You can actually take on missions for the pirates now, and you can become a pirate if you want. Um, although all of the governments hate you if you're a pirate. So mm. you have to bear that in mind.
1: Yeah, All right. That's a road that's very difficult to uh, go down. If you go down it too far, right?
0: Yes, definitely. It sort Although of reminds the- me a
1: little bit of how Freelancer was way back in the day. Is that yes, you could uh, be a pirate and piss everybody off,
0: but
1: that's the hard road. Yeah, that's that's hard mode.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So you know how before planets would have tags of like black market. Yeah. Um, and it was just like you had a chance to get certain better stuff at those planets. Well, now there actually is a black market. Certain uh, systems have black markets in them that are guaranteed to have uh, rare and high-level equipment and battle max. And you can buy access to the black market every so often. And the more the pirates like you, the cheaper the fee is to have access to the black market. And if you ally with the pirates, you get access to all the black markets, air quotes, for free. Um so the pirates hate me, so it's like 2.5 million sea bills every year for me to keep access to the black market. So that's not fun. But there's some good stuff on there. Uh and then alliances have the same thing. Every uh major faction that you ally with, you can get access to their faction store, which has unique equipment that can't be gotten anywhere else except to salvage. Mm-hmm. Um so when you hit reputation level of a hundred. With any faction except for the Arano Restoration, which is the c- campaign faction. Yeah. Um, you yeah, can get Star access faction. to, yeah, you can get access to their cool stuff by default. Um, cause if you're playing campaign, the, the flashpoints start after the end of campaign. So you can play a new campaign and then do the flashpoint stuff after that when the, the galaxy map opens up, or you can start the new career mode, which basically plops you down at the end of the campaign. But you oh, start nice. with, you start with, like, you know, a really shitty Lance and some random okay, shitty pilots. Okay, that's so nice. But you do get the, um, uh, your ship, the Argo. You get the Argo from the start, so that's nice. But yeah, I mean, career mode is nice. I like career mode. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute, because I'm talking about alliances right now. So anyways, get your faction rep to 100% with, a, with anyone, and you can ally with them. Mm -hmm. What that does is that anyone that's their enemy, your reputation drops, uh, 100 points. So, it goes from negative 100 to 100. So, if it was at zero, they hate you. If it was at 100, they're now neutral with you.
1: Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't Uh, know about this guy.
0: You can no longer take missions that are against the, whoever it is that you're allied with. Mm -hmm. No, that kind of makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And then you get access to a unique flashpoint that has to do with whatever, whoever you're aligned with. And then, like I said, access to the faction store. You can break an alliance at any time. Doing so causes that faction rep to immediately drop to zero. Or no, negative 100. So they hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can no longer ally with them for one year of game time.
1: Which, that's a fair amount of time, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, you know, it tracks time. Just like it is on ours, so fifty-two weeks. Um, and I've only done one. That, that's a, that's a lot of saying they're watching that cutscene. <laughs> oh, they added new cutscenes. <gasps> they did? They yeah, they added new uh, cutscenes for uh, the uh, Ar- or the Argo flying around and doing wait, stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Is
1: this part of the uh, the uh, expansion or is this uh, just patch?
0: I think it's specifically part of the expansion. I'm not sure.
1: Best expansion
0: ever. <laughs> some of the things were added whether or not you get the expansion like career mode is just added so you can start a career mode you just don't have access to the flashpoint that content uh, that
1: seeing the same cutscenes over and over and over again got a little old
0: yeah no there's different ones now i mean it's still doing the same thing the argo flies up to the ship docks flies away yeah, flies but, to the yeah but it's
1: not always you know that one little ship there oh, oh hello one little ship
0: yeah, no, there's new animations, there's new stuff that the Argo does, like it'll flip around and do, like, a retrograde burn, or you'll, like, see its maneuvering thrusters fire up, and it'll get into position to dock. Just, you know, little touches of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, little touches of things. You can organize your mechs in the mech bay! Yay! Yay. You can just drag them around.
1: Without, uh, you know, having to uh, uh, pack them up and unpack them, pack them up and unpack them. Yeah. Because that got got old fast.
0: Yeah. And that ended up spending a a lot of time otherwise. So speaking of mechs, Flashpoint adds a lot of mechs to the game. There's three brand new mechs that it adds, uh, and then it adds several unique or special variants of other mechs that you can acquire either through Flashpoint or uh, or Flashpoint missions or as, like, um, unique salvage or finding them, like, on the black market. So the three base mechs that it adds, uh, the first is the Hatchet Man. Mm-hmm. The Hatchet Man is a medium mech that has a hatchet as a melee weapon. Uh and it the is, name. Yeah. And it is centered around being a melee attacker. Um, it punches way above its weight.
1: Uh, as in, uh, With the uh, axe. Uh, well, I would say that it's a cut above the rest. Ha <laughs>
0: ha! Eh? Yes, it is. So the axe. Yeah, come on, adds... I just have
1: time to sit here and wait uh, and think of
0: puns now. Well done. So the axe adds 70 points of melee damage and melee stability damage to every attack that it has. Uh, and you can, you can get it up to around 200 melee damage if you use arm mods that increase the, the melee damage. It's got very few weapon swats or er, swats slots. Um, it's, you know, you want to put jump jets on this thing, you want to hop it around, move it fast, and and punch other mechs in the face. So, it is very good at that, but it's very bad at everything else. But it is a very fun mech to use. And in sort of the middle game, where you're taking on lots of two to three star level missions, it's a really good mech. Once you get into the heavies and the assault classes, it, it doesn't carry as much armor as medium mechs for its tonnage, so it's a little bit more fragile, um... It's sort of a, I don't know, a glass cannon in a sense, but boy, is it fun. Uh, The other mech is the crab or or the second mech is a crab. It's a 50 ton medium mech. So the son of King Crab. (laughs) Yes. It's the son of the King Crab. Uh, It's a, it's a 50 ton mech that focuses a hundred percent on energy based weapons. um, And it has a higher like base cooling capacity than other mechs to encourage you to use it in that role. Um, it's honestly not very good. Uh, there are other mechs that perform that role better, but it is pretty neat. You know, it it looks good. Uh, it's a little bit faster than some other mechs at the 50-ton weight class, so it does have a little bit, you know, extra evasion that it can generate. So that's nice. And then the third mech is the Cyclops, which has two variants, one is like a, uh, super, like energy weapon build. Uh, and the other is, is a command mech. It has a unique head slot item called the battle computer. And it, uh, reduces the initiative slot of every mech by one. So all assault mechs now go in initiative phase three instead of four. Or no, sorry, I got that backwards. Phase, uh, three or phase two instead of one. All heavy mechs will go on initiative phase two instead of three, and so on. So you can really use this to advan- to your advantage by guaranteeing that, for example, your scouts will always go first by putting them in initiative phase five, or you can get, you know, assault mechs going before enemy assault mechs, try and capitalize on, like, headshot opportunities or things like that. It's not very good in a fight, but it can still mount a ton of armor, so you can use it both as, um, for that bonus and then also as a tank to just draw, you know, aggro and take damage. Very interesting mech. Um, it's, it's kind of more situational, but there have been opportunities to really put it to good use, especially in the flashpoints. So three new mechs and then you get some unique variants of certain mechs. Uh, one of them you get is a mech called Big Steel Claw. Uh, you fight a gladiator, a Solaris gladiator in one on one combat. Um well, you don't have to do that. You can drop, you know, an assault lance on him <laughs> if you want. That's one of the Flashpoint decisions is it's like, no, I'll fight him in single combat, you know, gladiatorial style, or no, I'll drop a whole lance on his head. Fuck this guy.
1: Or so, you'll just drop right on his head. Fuck this guy.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it matters, um, but I did fight him in single combat, and when I defeated him, he uh gave me his mech. So it's called the Big Steel Claw, and it's a version of the, the, so the crab. So does it
1: entertain you? It does.
0: but just... Um, but it's a version of the crab that has a ballistic weapon hardpoint, so you can mount an autocannon on it. And that makes the, makes the crab a lot better, giving it an autocannon. So, things like that. You also fight more unique mechs, like, they'll tell you before a mission, like, one of the new Darius Slaver texts is it's like, Hey, we've got word that they're using a a unique mech geared more towards this. And so, for example, you'll fight like a a variant of the Stalker that's really focused on long range support. So instead of its standard like twenty long range missiles, it'll have sixty or eighty Oof. even. So now,
1: that that doesn't sound like fun to come up against.
0: It um, but it's it not- does,
1: but it does uh, shake up things because. Uh, that was one of my big problems with the game was that eventually okay well there's you know a, a juggernaut it's going to be one of two variants or there's uh the hunchback well i see the giant uh bazooka on it so it's going to be that yeah uh, there was uh, never any variants, so uh adding that in is a, a great way to add a little bit of extra gameplay a little bit of uh a little space of life, you know, a little bit of variety.
0: Yeah. That tends to happen on the assassination missions. Cause typically, you know, you're going after a target and they'll be like, Oh, the target mech. Has, uh, we've got Intel, that it's got this modification and it'll, you know, it might be, it has, it's a mech that typically doesn't have jump jets and now it does, or, you know, the long range, extra long range missiles or more cannons or something. You know, there's, there's several different variants I've seen and every great once in a while, You'll run up on one in a mission. And it's like, I've fought this mech type a hundred times. I know that it's not supposed to have that weapon. So that's nice to see. Because it does, it does, like you said, it mixes things up. They've also... I, I don't know if this is just for career or if it also applies to campaign. But in the career map, uh, one of the mods that I always went with was one that sort of rebalanced all the skull ratings on all the planets. Because it was really frustrating to see, like, okay, now there are only five skull... You know, four and five skull systems, my light and medium mechs are useless. But now they're rebalanced to have, you know, all different skull ratings. So if you want to focus on some missions with smaller mechs, then you can just head over to a system that's got the appropriate leveled missions that will generate from it. Although, speaking of light and medium mechs, there's a new mission type uh, that's called target acquisition. Um, and there's a a few different flavors of it, but basically you have to get, uh, hold control of several points on the map at the same time, and you only have eight to 10 turns to do this. Um, and so it really makes you go back to using your light or your medium mechs again, because you've got to get over there fast, hold the points for just long enough, and then you've got to bug out. Like they have infinitely spawning enemies, so there's no way to win by killing all of the enemies like you can in every other mission type, no matter what it is. So evasion and speed are much more important than just raw uh, tank tanking ability or stopping power. So those are fun. Um, am I missing anything? Oh, career mode. So career mode um, is it starts... With the map, just like it is after you finish the campaign. Um, you start with a lance that has one medium and four heavy mechs. I don't know if it's set or if it's randomized. I think it's set. Um, you get one Vindicator. One Spider. One Locust. And a Jinner, I think. And a Commando. Something like that. But anyways. Um, and you have 1,200 days to build up a score. Um, and you're scored at the end based on what options you pick at the beginning. So the difficulty options now you can choose um, whether the contracts are more lucrative or more slim. You can choose how many parts it takes to build a new mech. So the default is three. You can set it all the way up to eight uh, for increased difficulty. There's an option where that if you uh if a mech you destroy its core Or if your mech core gets destroyed, that mech is gone. It's completely unsalvageable. Um, then there's the... What's it called? The stripped start option, which whenever whenever you get a mech, it has no equipment.
1: that, that, Um, That was a mod,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, that was a mod. They actually rolled quite a few mods into this update, some of the most popular ones. Um... So, that I think that's part of the uh rogue tech mod was the difficulty settings on those things. Yeah, I believe that and was now so just part I, of the actually. Base game. I
1: actually wanted to play that, but I never got around to it because you know, pretty much after a game club, I usually say I want to go back and play X game again and never do, honestly, never do. Yeah. Like, I, I still have, if my heart had wings, I still have it installed, and I want to go back and play some of the other storylines. But I have even been able to do stuff for the podcast
0: this week, let alone go back to old game club content. Well, that's okay. I, obviously, I've got this, because we're at, like, 50-something minutes.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't have anything this week, honestly, with you talking about tech,
0: Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, mechs can start with no equipment, which I really like that one. That's one of the, like, increased difficulty options. But that makes sense because, like, you can just mothball a mech and pull it back out and it will have all of its default equipment. So you can sort of use that to cheese infinite money by, you know, mothballing, selling everything, then pulling the mech back out. It gets all the standard equipment, mothball it, sell everything. Like, you could do that to keep yourself from going bankrupt before. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's nice to see that as an option anyways. There's a few other difficulty options. There's Iron Man and Iron Man mode, which I would recommend not turning on because of bugs and issues that some people are experiencing. I experienced some of them. Although my problem was that I had never and this, you know, this sounds kind of silly and I feel like it is kind of silly, but I had never uninstalled and reinstalled the game. So it just doesn't do a clean update and little like artifacts and things get left behind every time there's an update in the game mm-hmm. uh, and so I was experiencing these weird crashes and glitching issues where that I was having mechs like disappear from my bay and they'd just, they'd just be gone um, and I couldn't retrieve them no matter what I did except by going back to an earlier save and when looking for how to like figure out what the issue was that people were like try uninstalling and reinstalling the game first and doing so helped tremendously with those issues, as in, they've completely gone away since I did that.
1: So, just junk gets built up over time.
0: Yeah, uh, the the um, I, I, it was
1: it was Oblivion that did that. Yeah, uh, 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 Elder Scrolls Oblivion uh, in the Shivering Owls At one point, uh, when the expansion first launched, it would just collect junk in the save file over time, and once it hit. Uh, the file size limit for its architecture which took a surprisingly little amount of time for just how much yeah, uh, you, know, you can play the Elder Scrolls uh, an Elder Scrolls game, or I should say a good Elder Scrolls game, especially modded yeah. because that uh, also compounds it because it was keeping track of more and more stuff it would actually start crashing and it would actually corrupt the save file Ooh. oof yeah, it uh, that's okay, good. Yeah, they did eventually patch – either they eventually patched it or uh, – well, let's be honest. The, the modders came in and fixed it, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely not an unheard of issue. This is a little bit different, but yeah, same basic idea.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think if I missed anything, but I don't – I mean, right off the top of my head, I don't think so. I mean, I've been talking for a long time. I don't think there's there's anything that I've really missed aside from maybe like some very nuanced, nitty-gritty sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure I'll think of 10 things later on. But, I mean, that's definitely all of the major things that have been added, either as, you know, updates along the way or as, you know, directly as part of Flashpoint. So, I mean, it's great. I'm loving it. I wish that there were way more missions. Um, they're talking about... Uh, adding more flashpoints in the future through updates Mm -hmm. up until the next expansion. Um, They've been so well received Uh, and I've still got a few more to explore uh, because I have to, I'm going to have to work my way through and complete all the Alliance content as well. And I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to ally with the pirates. I might just start a new game and focus on that. Because I mean, the pirates fucking hate me. <laughs> and when reputation is at zero or is it negative one hundred, it's hard to build it back up. Because it, the once your reputation hits that point, they basically won't hire you. There are there's like. Have you offered blowjobs? Do what? Have you offered a blowjob? <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, but, why, don't you,
1: why don't you go sh- uh, shine their exhaust ports? See if that works.
0: I may do that. But yeah, they're, I mean, they basically won't hire you, so I'm going to have to scour the galaxy looking for, like, some random mission that that they're, like, considered desperate enough to hire me for. So, start building that back up. But anyways, i got to get through all the Alliance content. Um, oh, I guess one more thing that I forgot was that they've added new maps. There's an entirely new biome. It's Jungle Biome, uh, which is pretty cool. And then they've added a bunch of new maps and all the other biomes and have made changes to ones that I recognized from before, like eh, little things, like a map might have a, a town on it now, just like a small uh, town. Like a there.
1: secondary variant or a complete change? Secondary variants. Uh, so, you know, uh, adding more flavor uh, once again, because that was something else that I always had trouble with was eventually you started, you know, recognizing the maps a little too much and also recognizing yep. exactly where the enemies will spawn and okay now if there's a ambush they're going to be behind me in this position
0: yeah and there's definitely still some of that but there's now new variants to the maps uh there are new maps altogether and then there are certain variants of the maps that are specifically used for flashpoint operations like I'll recognize the map but it's like oh for flashpoint this is very different now mm-hmm. so that's uh, the BattleTech, Battle BattleTech, battle the BattleTech Flashpoint expansion. I I love it. I want more, and I will probably get another oh, 50 to 100 hours out of that game before <laughs> I I put it away again and wait for some more updates and the next expansion, which is I believe the Urban expansion. I'm very excited for that one if they're going to add city combat or and and make some mechs more useful because everything is yeah like the urban mech or some of the bigger slower mechs that aren't assault mechs because all the maps are basically just wide open so speed and long range are key it'd be nice to have some of the slower, slower guys be more useful but anyways yeah that's that
1: (laughs) that's all you gotta say about that
0: that's all I've got to say about that. Our, and Urban Warfare is next summer. Ooh, when that one's supposed that's, to be coming out? That's fairly
1: uh, far off, isn't
0: it? Yep, summer 2019, and then the battle, the third BattleTech expansion, which is just called BattleTech Third Expansion. Uh, you know, you would think that
1: they would uh, put some effort into the third expansion's name.
0: <laughs> Everyone suspects it's going to be clan, uh, clan missions. Because with Flashpoint taking place directly at the end of the campaign... It pushes the timeline. Like, yeah, it. but the, the career mode spans four years, and it pushes the timeline. Really? And if they do...
1: Yeah. I never realized that it spanned four
0: years. Yeah, the, the career mode spans four years. Canonically, the campaign spans, I believe... Three, two, or three years. I mean, it can take as long as you make it take. But yeah, like of course. In canon. Because
1: that's one of those things is that because of how the game passes Tom.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I gotta admit there were several times whenever I was in transit, I just got up and hobbled around a bit. Can't blame yeah. me there, because no if anything popped up, you know it would stop Tom. Yeah, and some and some of those long, long, long transits were very, very long.
0: You know, as in go make a sandwich, long. Yeah, but so the the flashpoint pushes it for career mode takes four years, so it pushes the timeline forward four more years, which gets you into the, I believe the thirty thirties, and the clan war started in thirty forty two, I think, in the timeline. So, if Urban Warfare pushes you forward the same number of years, or pretty close to it, then everyone's thinking the third expansion is going to be the Clan Invasion. Mm -hmm. Which is going to be sweet. Get my Mad Cat. Mmm. Just, mwah, chef kiss. Mad Cat. Mad Cat's all the way down. Didn't
1: they close down?
0: (laughs) Touche. Oh, and I get the Puma, the Adder... They're supposed to be adding a few new iconic mechs as well coming up. As like, if you've got the Flashpoint expansion, you get them as part of the update. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Raven. The Raven was promised like when the game was kickstarted, but they've never figured out how to make it work right.
1: Uh, I take it that's uh, a unique mech.
0: Well, it, so it's got uh, and basically the the Raven is uh, like an AWACS, so it, it's meant for radar and sensor control and expanding like your range and things like that. And they can't figure out, like they've said multiple times, like, you know, we promised this, but we want it to feel as much like the Raven as it can. And we haven't figured out how to make that work yet.
1: At least they are being honest about it and talking
0: about it. Yeah. Yeah. They said that a couple of times. They're like, I mean, we're going to put it in the game, but we just hate to put it in as like another light mech because the Raven is real bad at combat, but that's not what it's meant to be for. It's, uh, a, sc- a scout, a non-combat scout, right? Yeah, it's got you know some very light weaponry, but yeah, it's essentially it's a non-combat scout unit. But I mean, they did a really good job with the uh, the the Cyclops's battle computer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the way that was implemented, and that's what the Cyclops is designed to do in in the tabletop, anyways. Like it gives command bonuses, and I think they handled that well. So. I think they can pull it off, but yeah, I've already like said I was going to stop talking about this twice, so third time's the charm.
1: Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, what what initiative phase are we on now? <laughs> uh,
0: one. Well, Wait, f- no, 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 no. Let's see. Games banter is five. Games we played four. Game club three. News two. And like our last bits, like community corner and discovery queue and stuff. That's that's one. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Nerd. <laughs> oh, dokie. and we're back from essentially me getting more refreshment. Although you said you got T2. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: to discuss our December game club, which is resetear and item shops tale for anyone who is listening and this is your first ever game club rage and i typically play very different styles of games uh and game club is a way for us to come together play the same game and discuss it and see how our different viewpoints lend us you know to experience games differently um so this time like i said we played receteer receteer is a at this point uh eight-year-old game um or at least it's been on Steam for eight years. I don't know if it released sooner than that. But anyways, an eight-year-old game that is a roguelite uh, that also has a... Yeah, or, well, it's a yeah, so sh- rogue- item shop management roguelite.
1: And kind of just... A, I, I don't think it's the first of its genre, but it's the one that kind of popularized the whole idea. And then it's kind of weird. We haven't seen uh, another game do this uh, little subgenre all that well. There's a few that tried it, like Moonlighter, but it felt a lot more shallow. And, uh, and Resetier isn't exactly a deep game, but it has more going on for it. And I think that's what's kind of jaded me for things like Moonlighter and that uh, sort of thing, is that it's just whenever you get more shallow than here, which wasn't all that deep to begin with, it has a little bit of a relationship system in it as well. It has a, a actually a fairly uh, a complex uh, uh, bartering system with different uh, patrons having different tastes and have different uh, amounts that they'll accept for markup, which, damn that little girl, by the way. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, the little girl and the old man are very cheap. But anyway,
1: uh, it, it, it's... I consider race Tier the baseline for what I'm looking for in this genre. And nothing I've encountered has come even close because it's just... It seems like if there's a game like Moonlighter, for example, not to pick on Moonlighter too much, it's just the most recent I played in this genre beyond race Tier. is that it's, it does one thing alright but then it skips on everything else or it kind of halves ass uh, both sides of the uh, dungeon exploration and uh, the management and doesn't introduce some of the deeper uh, concepts like um, having different items in different areas uh, particularly in your shop window will attract different customers or different types of customers and change their expectations of what's in the shop to begin with I haven't seen something like that in another game so,
0: whenever they fail to meet the baseline,
1: yeah, that's a problem.
0: Right. Um Reciteer is essentially broken down into two parts. Two major parts that each have their own sort of subsystems off of them. Mm-hmm. There's the shop management portion of the game. Um And then there is the dungeon crawling portion of the game. Um there's two ways to obtain your inventory and two ways to sort of advance things in the game. Uh the first is you can head to market, buy things that are cheaper, um that are on, you know, some sort of sale or discount. You can look up the information of items and see sort of like the baseline prices. Um and then there's a, a a guild, a merchant guild that is guaranteed to have a certain set of items at certain prices. And then there's the dungeon crawling where you hire an adventurer um and like the first one you get like is free because you're essentially like fronting him to get his adventurer license yeah um so he'll work for you for free uh and you do a very simple top down uh dungeon crawl um and there's there's multiple dungeons to go through with each having sort of different uh tiers of items that you can acquire from them uh and you can collect items that way you have, like, bag space where you can pick and choose how many items to bring back. If you fail the dungeon, you're only allowed to bring one thing back. As opposed to the full 20. And then you can increase that number as you go along. And different uh, characters and events sort of unlock as the time, or as the calendar goes along. Mm-hmm. Because the, the whole thing in the game is that you are a little girl who has inherited your father's store. Um, and and the immense Yeah, and his immense debt. Uh, and you have in other f-
1: words, the perfect Christmas game. Uh, clawing <laughs> your way a- into capitalism from crippling debt.
0: Capitalism ho! <laughs> uh, but anyways, you play the little girl, Reset, and your fairy companion is Tyr. Uh And she is the one who both helps you, gives you all the game's mini tutorials, which I'm sure we'll get to here shortly, and also uh, collects your payment. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make a payment every, is it seven days or ten days?
1: Uh, th- uh, I think the first one is a weekend, so it may be every seven days.
0: Yeah, so every every seven days you have to make a payment, and they start off very cheaply at ten thousand dollars, and work their way up in payment as you go. Uh, and it's it is I like I've read guides; it is possible to actually win on the first playthrough like well i say when you can like play forever but pay off the debt on the first playthrough but it is a roguelite so essentially whenever you fail to pay a debt you restart from the beginning but you get to keep all of the items that you had you lose all your money and all of your progression but you get to keep all of the items so you can start out making much more money from the beginning so How long in total have you played this game?
1: Uh, well, here's the thing, is that Steam actually bugged out my hours, so whenever I started, it said zero, but I had a save file that was a failure state on the third or fourth uh, paycheck, or or payment, so obviously it wasn't zero, right?
0: Yeah, that would probably be a few hours in, at least, um, four or five hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, according to the Steam, I've played Reciteer for a total of 10 hours. I probably played it four or five hours the first time. Um, I started anew, uh, just cause I wanted the, like, you know, the initial experience. And I played it for about four hours for Game Club. Um. It didn't even I mean, get out the, the tutorials, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I was still getting new tutorials, yes. Uh, th- this ha- I this got... has
1: GTA level of a tutorial.
0: Yeah. The first few in-game days are... God, so many tutorials every day. Let me tell you about this gameplay mechanic.
1: And completely break uh, the fourth wall in the process.
0: Yeah. Tear breaks the fourth wall and Reset is like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? Worry, the menu button. Yeah. <laughs> Tear's like, don't worry about it. It's, uh, okay. Um but I mean the game is very simple I mean that's that's it like what we're saying is it. There are you know certain characters you meet there are a mm-hmm. couple of sort of side quest level stories that I've found. There's some kind of girl like rival girl that like her parents own like another store and she like wants to know how your store like stays in business, even though you're just like some girl with a a grumpy fairy, but mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen her like twice total I don't know if that goes anywhere but honestly it's not very well developed if it does come in Mm -hmm. somewhere Um, you can run around the town and well when I say run around it's like the sort of menu like it's a map of the town and it's like do you want to go to the market do you want to go to the guild? do you Mm want to go like whatever and you click on it and like your character's there and if there's something to interact with you can otherwise it's just like hmm there doesn't seem to be anyone here and it takes you back to the map um like you mentioned a minute ago, it's pretty neat that you can sort of set the look and feel of your store on uh, by placing certain items in the win- window to try and t- attract different types of customers. As you go, you can customize your store with different floors and layouts, like you can add sections to it to make it larger, you get more window space, that sort of thing. Um but that's about it until you get to the vending machines. The vending machines are basically like win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you just have items in the vending machine, and you set a price on them, and people come in, and they'll buy the items, so you don't have to go through the little interaction menu, yeah. Um, and you get more sales every period, because some people will come talk to Reset, but plenty of people will also just go over to the vending machine and buy whatever's in there, so... Uh, there's there's this little mini game which you're talking about, like people, you know, they want to buy something and um you have to haggle a price. And the game recommends like generally like, you know, around 130%. So a 30% markup is like where to start and you adjust from there based on what people tell you. Um and there's you know different essentially characters or avatars that buy things. Um and they all buy things, you know, the same way. So there's like a little girl, there's an old man, there's the guy that runs the guild. Um, the adventurers start coming in as you unlock them um, and so you you know you kind of learn like okay this character typically I can sell an item for this much of a markup or if they come in and they just rec- want you to recommend something to them uh, I want to recommend them this type of item because you know it's within their price range because if the old man comes in and he's like I'd like to see a treasure please which is like statues and certain like um, things like necklaces and stuff like some of those count as jewelry but you know you you want to recommend him something on the less expensive side because if you're like ah yes check out this beautiful golden statue I have the starting price is 5000 gold he's like oh mm. I he's like what that's outrageous I don't have that kind of money and even if you mark it down even like 50% he'll get pissed off and yeah, leave
1: cheap fucker
0: yeah so you kind of have to learn. Yeah, and
1: the thing is that there's a bonus for successfully selling to consecutive customers as well.
0: Yeah, which raises your experience level, which unlocks those things that I talked about to customize your store and, and such. With, um, it's all based on your merchant level. That's another thing that carries over every time you reset. That doesn't re- that doesn't reset to zero. Um, and like you can gain sort of I don't know which you'd say reputation or something with the various people which gives you sort of more wiggle room the higher your reputation gets with them I don't know if there's a limit to that Mm -hmm. Uh, gear that you sell to your adventurers also they permanently equip that gear so you know it might be worth it to really undercut an item so that they're guaranteed to buy it to improve their stats but you can also just give them gear whenever you go into a dungeon um so, you don't necessarily have to do that. But whenever you give them gear, they just borrow it, so they don't they don't keep it forever. But, you know, it really depends on what you're trying to do. If you're sort of trying to long-tail level someone up, or if you just want them to have a quick power boost for a, a dungeon run. um, I don't know, I'm struggling. I'm running out <laughs> of things to say.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot to say about this game, actually, because it's more mechanics-based than anything else, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It is very cute. Um I like the music. Uh, the little girl's cute. Although it annoys me. <laughs> Certain things really, like, bug me about this game. So, first of all, every single time, every time you click on something, you get, like, a little Japanese, like, okay, hi, yeah, like, something like that, like, over and over and over and over. And there's a lot of clicking. Every time you want to move something around in your store, you got to click it and remove it or swap it with another item, and then walk over to where you want to put that one down. You click it, and you put it down. And every time, she's like, Yeah! Woo! <laughs> Yay! And I'm like, wait, Is she related to Mario? love of God. <laughs> she might be. I'm like, Please, for the love of God, shut the fuck up. All of the tutorials, even, like, I'm still, I was still getting tutorials, and there's no way to skip them. Even on subsequent playthroughs. Like, you can skip through the dialogue. It's not like you have to sit there and wait for it to scroll by. But there's no way to just, like, okay, I've seen the tutorial once. Turn it off, please. You just have to go through it every time and, and just, like, choose to skip the dialogue every time. And that does, you know, that speeds it up at least a little bit. But it's still tedious. Like, every time you restart, like, God, I know I'm going to have to have a tutorial on this day and this day and this day and this day. And, this day and whenever I mm-hmm. first we go meet the adventurers, i got to go through that whole tutorial. Um, and then the actual, like, haggling thing Every time, like, someone doesn't buy something, Reset is always, like, some some variation of, oh, I really suck, don't I? And I'm like, no, you don't suck. He's just a cheap old man. (laughs) Or he asked for something that we don't have. That's, like, we're broke. We're doing the best that we can. We don't have, uh, you know, a really expensive sword. We don't have that. So he's just going to have to go somewhere else. That's tough. That's how stores work. They don't always have everything. But she's like, oh, I must be terrible. No one must like me, or, you know, I must be unlikable. I'm so bad at what I do. And it's like, no, Reset, you're not. But she says that, something like that, every time that happens. I don't like the dungeon crawling aspect, either.
1: Uh, The dungeons, at least in the very beginning, are very small, aren't they? And very repetitive.
0: Yeah, and you don't have any interesting skills or abilities, because mm-hmm. the first dude is just like your standard swordsman, and so he's got basic sword attack, and his special attack is like a, a wide-sweeping sword slash that hits everything, is it around you, or just like in a really wide arc in front of you? A uh,
1: wide arc in front of you, it's, uh, uh, uh well, to use a Warframe reference, it's Exc- uh, Excalibur's Exalted Blade, he uh, sends out essentially a wave of energy in front of him.
0: Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, that's what the first guy is. And there's other, you know, adventurers you can unlock to hire that have different and better abilities. But in the beginning, it's real boring. Real slow. But, you know, you got to do it to advance the story and start the that first sort of, I don't know, that next stage of items, essentially. But, I mean, it's really nothing to write home about. It's pretty standard dungeon crawling stuff it's it's fairly simplified so i mean there's bosses and things and you can essentially start at a floor um like once you get to a floor and unlock like the save door or whatever you can come back and start there so you don't have to start over every time but otherwise yeah they get old
1: yeah and that's the problem when you have a uh, dead rising scenario where you're kind of expected to fail at least once or twice and uh, essentially do a Game Plus mode.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this game uh, reminded me of a psychotic fucking hatred I have for games that use tutorials uh, and say, okay, press uh, this button, which is pretty standard, but instead of, like, pressing X or pressing Y or whatever, it's press button three.
0: It's like okay, which one's button three?
1: Yeah, and and you can't go into the configuration because the configuration is in the damn launcher. Ugh.
0: Yeah, that's real stupid. I basically just once I launched the game for the first time, I was like, okay, I'm gonna push all the buttons. What do all the buttons do on my controller? Got it. I mean, I don't know which button is which one. I just like if I need to get in the menu button, I know I press left bumper on the Xbox controller. Yeah, it was. The... It's not start. It's not select. Yeah, it was left bumper. Yeah,
1: that was the same for well. Here's the weird thing, is that my DualShock controller, the computer sees it as an Xbox One controller. Nice. So, yeah, whenever I have something that has X inputs, it can, it kind of throw me, especially if the game sees a DualShock controller uh, through the emulation that DS for Windows does. So, if a game throws, like, button X at, for me, at me, sometimes it's a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, I, trust me, that's happened more than once. So I'll press X and it's like, oh, that That didn't, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's the PlayStation X. Okay.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so anything else that were, that I forgot? Anything uh, else you can think of you want to add? I,
1: I will say that the dungeons also, at least in the beginning, will throw random things at you and and will kind of dick you over if you've not been very, 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 very careful. You know, especially like dungeon, uh, uh, yeah, rocks fall, damages everything.
0: Oh, yeah, and there's no way to, at least that I know, to avoid that.
1: If you're very but. lucky, you'll, uh, it'll miss you. Uh, but a lot of times that, uh, you know, you're going to take a little bit of damage, and at least in the beginning, uh, you only have the food to heal you, according to you, because honestly, I, I wasn't even noticing it was healing me that much.
0: Yeah, the food items uh some items heal food or heal health points and some items some heal some food heals SP. food yeah some feel some food heals food some of the food heals or restores health and some of the food restores your, your you know your special your magic your mana whatever you want to call it um i there's potions and stuff you can get later on that do much better jobs but you can bring a couple of items into the dungeon with you um I, I, it actually might be up to 5 items uh and so, like, you know, the first time I went in, it's like, okay, I'll bring some food. Like, the bread restores 10 HP. And it, for the first dungeon, that's really all you need. You take in a couple of couple pieces of bread, and you'll level up, like, five times in that dungeon. So every time you level up, you get full health and full mana. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have just a little bit of bread for in case you get in a jam, and then you'll pick up stuff in the dungeon. You'll be fine on the first Yeah, yeah if you but...
1: find jam, you definitely want to have bread.
0: <laughs> definitely. So, uh, do you like Raceteer? I do
1: like Raceteer. Uh, it's just not as good as I remember it. Maybe it's just, you know, nostalgia. Maybe I've evolved as a gamer in the last, you know, six, seven years since I played it. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just modern convenience, you know, uh, having a different expectation going in for certain things. And the fact that this is a JRPG technically, so it's a different beast to begin with. I think it's JRPG. So it's yeah, you have the cultural difference on um, not just the actual story, which is kind of loose at least in the beginning, but how gameplay mechanics are built overall.
0: Yeah, I really inlo- I really enjoy Reciteer. Um I do remember it differently from when I played it before. Again, echoing what you just said. I don't know if it's I've changed as a gamer. Or if I've just gotten used to the way that games are done now, and some of the older design elements of this game are, like, a little more foreign to me at this point. But I do like it, and I do think it's a good game for someone to sort of break into this, you know, item shop management genre, or, you know, something that somebody looking for a simpler, easier game you can pick up and put down. Um, also, it, it will run on basically a potato. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was... I was getting like 1,000 plus FPS on my desktop. It'll run an easy 60 on my laptop. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wasn't even bothering
1: with the uh, frame rate uh, counter on it. Uh, That is something that it it doesn't run in a proper widescreen ratio.
0: It does not. No, it's 4 by 3 by default. You can, you know, put it in window mode. You mess with it. But if you just leave it in full screen, it runs at a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, which is, you know, it's okay. For what type of game it is, it doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. Um, i I might play it some more over the holidays, just with my in laws' stuff being here. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hiding in my office as much as I can, but I'll get in in big trouble if I hide in here all the time. And it's a like you know, it's a good game to play on my laptop. I can't exactly play Crush Crush in, in front of my ultra conservative Christian in laws.
1: At least with that attitude.
0: I could play it once, and then I'd be in big trouble with Katie. You know my family doesn't like stuff like that.
1: Yeah, uh, just uh, hold your breath when they try to hold you under the water,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Crush Crush, like, that's a game, the other game I played, that I haven't put enough time into. Yeah, I, I think have, that uh... there's like some <laughs> super meta shit going on with that game. I guess I'm i going to spend a little more time with it before I talk about it. Plus, I knew I was going to talk about Battletech for like eight years, so what's the point in having another game this week?
1: Yeah, and uh, well, I, it's not that I haven't played games. As a matter of fact, there's one game that I've been toying around with that you're really excited to hear me talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited to hear you talk about it. Uh,
1: it's a little outside my wheelhouse, but it's not the thing, so Yeah. So next game club or anything else? Uh, I'm I'm, com- I'm coming up blank on anything else. So the next game club is a slightly requested uh, game.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, it's been requested by a, a few different members of the community, and that game is Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. That is going to be our January game club. Specifically, I'm calling you out, Cube and Ghost Shark. <laughs> You guys said if we did it, you'd send stuff in. So I'm I'm putting you on blast. You've got until the end of January to play that. It's going to be like six weeks that we've got to play this, just because of how the, you know, the holiday, how we're having to do this. Yeah, uh, so. Christmas
1: and uh, New Year's both falls on a Tuesday, so can't really do recording nights.
0: Yeah, so you got six weeks to to come up with something. So get on it, boys. I otherwise, I'll have to come give you a spanking. Wink. Oh, my. So, yep. I uh, I have never played this game before. It's a game I've always wanted to play. I've heard good things about it for years. Um, it was on pretty deep discount a couple of months ago, and I bought you and I both a copy because I knew it was a much-requested Game Club yeah, game. Yeah, this
1: is a game that... I. Hadn't really looked into, and it's being forced on me. So, you know, expect strong reactions, either positive or negative. I'm yep, not promising either positive. way.
0: There is a whole suite of patches or mods, not really suite. It's just like one big one. That, uh, is it just for widescreen mode, or is it also like a big bug fix? Oh, uh, it's a bu- it's
1: a community patch, so there's a lot of bug fixes in it as well. Uh we will be running that because I'm not doing it without that uh without widescreen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it fixes a lot of other issues. This game was released in early two so thousands. I'm going to the store page now to look. hmm Uh two thousand four was when this came out. So, yeah, so- this game is a teenager. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, And
1: it's a little rambunctious, so, you know, we had to, you know, put it down for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, This isn't even our oldest game that we've done for the game club.
0: What's the oldest game we've done for the game club? It would be Crimson Skies one. Crimson Skies? Yeah, that was like, what, 2001, 2002, Mm -hmm. something like that. Oh, man, we're going to have to, like, dig deep. We're going to have to reach back at some point. Play something. I wonder if we could play something that's as old as I am or as old as you are. That'd be ancient. Did they even make games back then, Rage? Uh,
1: what you want to do uh, a, <laughs> uh, you you want to do a game club on Pong? We could. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the uh, narrative of the left paddle, but the you know the right paddle's uh, storyline overall was a. That
0: if I wasn't so very intriguing.
1: If I wasn't so old, uh, doing a game club from the year we were born it would be interesting. But you know uh, that's Atari, Tom. So, for, for, for you. Yeah, yeah, for me. So, yeah. Doing Atari games nowadays is a little.
0: Eh, all right. I'm looking at the uh, NES. That's what I'm looking at for me. Yeah, but you have things like Zelda. I do have, yeah. I mean, I, there are
1: games like that for me, but, you know, it would be like Adventure, which does not translate that well. Play Zork. Is, you know, old text adventures could uh, work
0: yep.
1: yeah yeah. I'm just looking at our game club list to see uh, yeah it's definitely uh, um, Crimson Skies I mean everything else is uh, post 2000 as well but uh, that'd be an uh, interesting thing since this wraps up our second full year of uh, game club with uh, a uh, another half a year on top of it see wh- kind of wherever our biases are on our picks yeah yeah like do we have a favorite year
0: do we have a favorite genre which i think that's going to be rpg <laughs> rpg yeah probably i don't know we can we can uh, we can have a business meeting at some point and discuss that cuz that would be fun to report back on like so yeah especially we've done...
1: yeah especially you know this uh, let's see well also for a while up until Skyrim we were doing one every other week which was just lunacy uh, yeah looking back on it huh
0: yeah we did it we did it big then yeah but, uh, but yeah, out. but a lot
1: of those uh, first games were small ones you know Bastion to the Moon Papers Please Uh MechWarrior Online was pushing it uh Path of Exile was pushing it Island Wake is pretty short but Skyrim that, that's where yeah that, that broke it that broke the system mm-hmm. And me yep. I might add because I fucking hated being forced to play that <laughs> counting out
0: how many yes yeah, twenty twenty four six seven twenty nine thirty three one thirty two we've played thirty two games for game club Valkyria chronicles was a good one but man was that long
1: yeah that 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 was a lot longer than I expected it to be
0: i mean
1: hell if my heart had wings as Yep, beginning of 2017 now. So uh,
0: I need to get on that. <laughs> I mentioned it before. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be two years. You get back to it.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Strange. True portal train. Yep. There's been some good ones on there. There's been a couple of turds, too. Oh, really? Uh, what would you consider the biggest turd? Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, probably. Yeah, I think that is probably my maybe least Rebel ha- Galaxy. I was extremely <laughs> disappointed in Rebel Galaxy.
1: I, I think I liked it a lot more, but I went into it with a bit more of an open mind. You you went into it uh, expecting a bit more, I think. Which it's a shame what's happened with Rebel Galaxy too. Yep, stupid Epic uh, Game Store. Uh, but yeah I think Shadow of the Colossus was my least favorite just I have a short amount of patience for a game that intentionally uh, plays poorly unless there's a very very good reason for it and for Shadow of the Colossus it did not click for me for that reason I realize that it's supposed to be slow it's supposed to be clunky but it just never clicked I recognize that it's an art house show, or or, 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 it's an art house game, but at the same time, it's just I would say also, uh, Alan Wake American Nightmare was also kind of down there for me, just because the legacy of
0: Alan Wake. I was pretty surprised at how much I liked American Nightmare. I mean, I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but I did like the sort of silliness, you know, that being sort of dialed up a little bit. I thought that was fun.
1: I mean, it makes sense in-world, because it's him essentially playing through a narrative piece that he wrote to escape uh, the dark place. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it's one of those uh, plot uh, gameplay uh, element things. Yeah. Uh, It's a shame I never got to play Xenonauts a lot more, just because I
0: was sick that time. Yeah. uh, We could we're we're venturing very close into that business meeting mm-hmm. topic territory but we could go back and revisit a game club game uh, I I mean, spe- we've got enough on there yeah, there's been enough time uh,
1: especially some of the early ones and some of the ones that uh, i would say uh, if my heart had wings especially since it yeah we we both did the same storyline. <laughs> yeah that would be a good one uh, to revisit oh and i, I had that on mute
0: ha ha ah uh, no, actually
1: that is somebody on my whitelist, so it, it was on mute. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, ha. Uh-huh. It was just important uh, yeah. enough to uh, go through the whitelist.
0: Yeah. Uh so, are are we ready? Are you ready? I do believe so. Okie dokie. So first up on our news topics of the week, the escape from Tarkov devs are filing false DMCA claims against content creators. Here and go to full recording
1: mode so it mutes everything and it doesn't have the whitelist on it. <laughs> oh, escape from Tarkov. You pieces of utter shit. There's things that piss me off. Then there's things that really piss me off. And then there's this. I uh, Maybe it's just me being a content creator. but I've said this before, but devs that wield the DMCA as a cudgel to silence criticism, valid criticism, it, it should be full on boycotted. I'm never playing this game. I wasn't going to play it before because of the rumors of security issues. Which is the reason why they're DMCAing. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, I I'm not going to play this now, but I was interested in playing it before. So you know, I'm I will not be supporting this game in any way. I mean, this was sort of you know a little bit further down on my list of like oh, I'd like to give this game. This looks neat, but now I'm just like, nope, fuck them. So I I saw the uh, Jim Sterling's YouTube video. On yeah, see, I did catch today. the Jim
1: Sterling one. Of uh, in the show notes, I have the Twin uh, fit Alpha ones, which are essentially a breakdown of what happened. Essentially, this is an escape from Tarkov, a well, streamer YouTuber, that was talking about security issues with the launcher, and some other assorted issues, and and in one video he. I, I thought I turned on full uh, block mode, but I obviously didn't. <laughs> I, or that one does have the whitelist on it as well, so I do apologize for the noises in the background. But I do have recording mode on. I'm sitting here on my uh, cell phone looking at it. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You're just saying yeah, they're anyway. smiling about
0: that, aren't you? Uh, yep.
1: Well, sorry I have some uh, people that's important enough to actually go through and get my attention even when recording. Apology accepted. <laughs> and also...
0: <sighs> yeah, it's fine. I, I mean, I obviously had my phone go off in this episode already, so... <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, what happened uh, was uh, this guy was covering uh, the security breaches, uh, since we're completely off track now and had our train of thought broken. And in one video... He had a short intro with game footage, all right? And the other 30-some that were copyright-struck, no gameplay footage whatsoever, no gameplay, or no uh, audio content from the game. It's all showing stuff from various documents, from uh, various uh, YouTube comments, that sort of thing. And the way that they went about this is just insidious because the way the copyright strike system works on YouTube is actually different from what I thought it was. And this is one of the reasons why the mm. second Sid, I'm sorry, I'm boring you with this, uh, is the, is the reason why the second Sid Alpha video is linked because he also goes into the how of things. The way this YouTube copyright system works is that It treats waves of copyright strikes as a single strike. So if you get hit with, let's say, five copyright strikes at once or copyrighted uh, content uh, videos and it all happens at once, it counts as one strike instead of five. But since they intentionally broke this up into various waves, into three waves exactly, they shut down his channel in very short order. And they also chose the DMCA as it is an automatic shutdown. It's not a defamation uh, complaint, which would shut down his channel, which is also available under YouTube guidelines. This is meant solely to shut this guy up. And uh, it just pisses me off when developers do this. Especially, you know, uh, these indie developers. So yeah. Not terribly happy with these guys.
0: Yeah, I saw, like I said I saw Jim Sterling's YouTube video and he was mad. Like I've seen him be snarky and stuff, but he was really mad at this. Mm-hmm. He was started bringing up like his issues with uh shit, who was the developer that sued him for like $15 digital $50. homicide? Yeah, digital homicide. Um he brought up that whole thing and was like, you know, they lost, but eventually they did, like, the right thing in terms of, you know, this whole thing. They took me to court over defamation, and I, you know, beat them. But what this developer is doing is shady and underhanded and just, like, fuck them. And he just kept saying that over and <laughs> over again. He was like, fuck you. I haven't, I haven't you. even
1: watched this video, but I'm channeling it, I? Yeah.
0: And, I mean, it, it, this is another one of those examples of how this is shitty and stupid and how these companies are skirting or not skirting uh, are abusing n- abusing the law like I said they're using it and as YouTube a cuddle. is yeah and YouTube is allowing them to do no 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 no,
1: like... no 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 let's stop right there YouTube is not allowing they are forced to do this by US law this is going to be one of the few times I'm going to be defending YouTube but in order for YouTube to maintain their safe harbor law, or their safe harbor provision. They must do this. So I do not actually blame YouTube on this. This is a fault of just how fucking stupid the DMCA is. This is not YouTube's fault. Okay. Weird to uh, for me to defend YouTube, yes. But I'm being fair here.
0: No, I mean, if you're defending YouTube, then that, absolutely it, it's fair. I didn't realize that. Like I got, I didn't realize that this was one of those situations where that they were being forced yeah, to, that's
1: why, to do it as part of the law. That's why companies abuse the DMCA is because it is an automatic shutdown and the content host must side on the complainant and enter a 30 day, I think it's 30 day, at least for the initial review a section of yeah, of a shutdown, and it's a reason why the three-strike rule was was put into play, was to immediately silence this guy in short order. If they filed defamation, they would uh, shut down those particular videos, but his channel would remain, so he would still have a platform. That is why they do it. And that is why the DMCA is an insidious weapon that pisses me off to no end when people abuse it.
0: Yeah. I suppose, and this is something that's like developing, like a developing story. Yeah, this is we'll ongoing. Probably...
1: I mean, uh, the second video that's in the show notes was released just in short order before uh, we recorded.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll probably be back to talk about this. I mean, obviously we've been yeah, for a couple year. of weeks because pre-recorded <laughs> content. But, you know, next year. We'll get to it next year. Yeah. Uh, Next year. Eh. Those jokes never get old. At least not to me. (laughs) But I mean, at this point in time, like, we don't know if there's any sort of recourse that he, that, you know, or what the backlash is going to do, because there is a lot of backlash. But we don't know if it's going to be effective. Like, it's just too soon to tell. But, yeah, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Never playing their game never playing. You didn't realize how bad it was. No. No, not specifically. I mean, Jim goes into a bit of it, but he doesn't quite cover these stories in the same way that, like, Sid Alpha does, so. Yeah, I really like Sid Alpha.
1: He's uh, really coming into his own.
0: So. Fingers crossed that everything goes well, but I honestly have no hope that it will. Because the game industry sucks. And we live in the worst timeline, and everything about America sucks.
1: Uh, especially the DMCA. It, it's it was a knee-jerk reaction to uh, content creation on, uh, and well, I should say content sharing on the internet in the age of Napster, if I recall correctly, uh, by old men that do not understand technology. And honestly, I really think that the U.S. system in general doesn't move quickly enough to be able to keep up with technology anymore.
0: Yeah, it definitely does not. I mean, it doesn't really anywhere in the world, but other places in the world do a better job than well, we do. Well,
1: also, other places in the world elect leaders that you know actually are able to turn on a cell phone.
0: that are actually halfway intelligent most of the time. So it's kind of a
1: failure of both our system moving too slowly to keep up with the technology and also us constantly re-electing the same leaders over and over again so they could be rather complacent and just sit and essentially just pass law on things that they do not understand I mean I don't expect a politician to be a scientist and know exactly how everything works but they should have a base level understanding of science which I realize uh, is trouble for at least part of one party and because of that because there's that ignorance and actually superiority in that ignorance bad law is passed, flawed law is passed and it allows loopholes like this
0: Indeed. Welcome to the political portion of the podcast, where we discuss how much U.S. politics sucks. Hey, hey,
1: on the plus side, you got a rarity of me actually defending YouTube.
0: Indeed, we did. So... And wow, I was um, so angry. (laughs) Yep. So let's move it on to our next news topic, then. Which is... uh, A star of Fresh Prince sues Epic over Fortnite's use of the Carlton dance. (sighs) And I think I saw...
1: Yeah, yeah, there's another one that just popped up in the meantime. This is getting stupid as well. (sighs) And it really depends on how these dances are considered a cultural phenomenon or how they're ruled. Because I've been reading into this a little bit and there's actually, argument for the, of the lawsuits uh and homages to this, but yeah uh for uh in this particular case, the Colton is a twenty year old dance from the sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I realize that some of our audience may not remember that show because they're a little too young,
0: yeah. Uh, but, I don't. I never liked the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Honestly, I thought, like, I've never. I thought it was all right. There, there,
1: there was, uh, there was times that it was uh, a little much for me. But then there were the feel episodes. The, uh, I think you would absolutely love the uh, episode where Will's father comes back and ha- and you know, it's a very emotional moment. Uh, it'll it'll make you cry. All
0: right, I I doubt it. I really don't like sitcoms. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I might check it out later. But anyways, yeah. Carry on.
1: Uh, but one of the characters in there, Colton, uh, the actor that played him, is essentially upset at Epic for making an homage to uh, the dance that let's be honest, he took inspiration from other dances <laughs> and created this amalgamation for the sitcom where Uh, the line in the script just says call to dances and it became a thing on the show and over the years it's popped up in many places Uh, Team Fortress 2 has it Destiny has it Forza has it uh, according to one of the articles I read but it's a problem when Epic has it because they're making money or I should say more money because I know it's a sold taunt in Team Fortress 2 uh, I'm assuming that it's probably, yeah, uh, I mean, let's be honest, in, in Destiny, it's probably uh, some sort of Eververse thing. So, yeah, it's a problem because it's Fortnite. That's the big moneymaker right now. And there's another, like, kid that's trying to sue now because, uh yo, a dance he did on YouTube is, uh, it, this is just getting fucking stupid. This is the, we're up to uh, three that I know of suing Fortnite. Yeah.
0: Or, I mean sure this ever? sort of thing this sort of thing is just people trying to get some money. Like somebody did it for whatever reason. Probably it potentially could be for money. Potentially it could just be over something petty. But other people are like, oh, that's getting headlines. Maybe I can make some money off of that. This whole Fortnite thing's hot right now. Not sexually hot. Hot isn't like popular. That's I realize hot. I need to make that distinction. I realize I need to make that distinction for myself. But, uh, you know, it's very popular right now. And they're like, oh, I can make some money. Like, that's what this is. That's all that this is. And you know what? They'll probably get some money. Just because Epic's going to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Shut up. Here, we'll give you this much money. Don't waste our time in court. Because it'll probably cost more to pay all the lawyers to go to court to beat the case than it would be to just settle outside of court. At least that's my suspicion. Yeah, which, you know, that that becomes the problem, is that, uh,
1: where does the line, and also this sets precedent, and that's why I think uh, Epic is not going to settle, they're going to send this to court, and hopefully it doesn't create a bad ruling, because, uh, Fortnite is, uh, about as infested with memes and, uh, social, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pop culture references as Borderlands. So, what happens if Fortnite falls and the next Borderlands comes out?
0: Well, I mean, you know, there will always be things that developers stop doing because they don't want to be sued, and there will always be things that they'll, and not just developers, that any sort of creation engine you know movies tv books music video games like there will always be things that they will shy away from because of lawsuits but then there will be other things that they'll go into like i totally get what you're saying i'm not trying to be dismissive i apologize if i do sound dismissive oh no you sound dismissive. and i get it
1: I, I feel i feel offended here
0: oh no um, and i do get it but like, it's one of those things that's like, you know, this happens from time to time, and some people get some money, and there might be a little bit of like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we should stay away from that sort of thing for a while, because we don't want to get sued. But then, you know, there'll be something else that they'll go into, and it'll get big and popular, and then the next thing that a bunch of people are going to try and sue for to get some money will pop up. like so that's just, it's almost like its own cycle within the entertainment industry. Yeah. I mean, Fortnite is making more money than God right now, so why not? Why not sue him? Hell, if I had a reason to sue him for some money, I probably would. I could use some money right now. Oh no, uh,
1: is there uh, some sort of Fat Man dance that you've done that's in Fortnite?
0: <laughs> Prop, yes. Yes, there is. I'm going on the record right now that there is a Fat Man dance in Fortnite that I invented, and I'm gonna sue him for it. Yeah. And this is gonna be You know, evidence A. You mean exhibit? Yeah, exhibit
1: A. Uh, Which, uh, you know, that's another rapper that, who knows, maybe he'll have uh, uh, (laughs) a... Yo, dog, I heard you like lawsuits. (laughs) Uh, But uh, where the line really comes down is derivative works and also where the line is on just... uh, Dance numbers being considered a copyrightable item based on choreography. And now I'm I'm really scared about this ruling, actually. Because, yeah, there's a lot of references in video games. There's a lot of memes in video games. It's not just, yeah, Fortnite and uh, Borderlands. Those are just, those are the extremes. And I'm a little concerned that it will hurt pop culture reference. It will hurt... Uh video games being able to tell their own stories, but you know, have some sort of inside joke for people that are in the know, you know that sort of thing
0: right i I actually thought that certain dances were already copyright material or trademark uh, material it,
1: that's the thing like I knew it's,
0: it's some of Michael Jackson's stuff, maybe all of it is like protected, but I guess that could go to his like personal style as opposed well, that, to just like the well, dance themselves. Is, uh,
1: uh, it's uh, a lot of times whenever you see that uh, and uh, them pulling it it's not so much the dance but the image uh, Plants vs. Zombies is a good example of that where they had a thriller zombie and uh, they actually pulled it not for the dance itself but because of the depiction of Michael Jackson because he was dressed up as Michael Jackson and that's where the state of, uh, of his was going after him it wasn't for the dance itself, it wasn't for the reference, it was for the image in wanting to get that money. Right. So, I'm not sure if there's a case uh, on record for actual dance moves uh, uh, being copyrighted and not the image of the dancer. But, yeah, who knows, right?
0: Hmm. Can I trademark a dance move? The law office of Eric... Norton. Norton! Reading. Okay, so you cannot copyright, or at least currently, you cannot copyright or trademark a dance move in the sense of, like, the actual dance move, Mm -hmm. but you can copyright or trademark the name of a dance move. So... Legal... Loopholes? Mm. Loopholes? Loopholes. Legal Loopholes. Loopholes. Loop
1: Loopholes.
0: Loop-ho. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, and
1: since a lot of places... uh, I know in Team Fortress 2 it's called the Carlton. And uh, uh, Fortnite, I believe it's called Fresh.
0: I wonder, though, if the digital representation of a dance move puts it into a different sort of category or... I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Fuck. I don't know why I just said fuck, but fuck. Fuck that you're not a lawyer or you're not a lawyer. Fuck. E- yes. And. Next news topic? Question mark.
1: Uh, sounds, uh, good to me. Oh, look, it's this again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fallout 76 update points to incoming lunch boxes. The Residence cascade yes, they, uh, has
1: opened a, uh, a portal to planet Fail.
0: Yeah. So lunch boxes are loot boxes in um Fallout Shelter. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That whole card system looks 100% exploitable for loot boxes or card packs you know you get some currency you get a couple of perk cards maybe like some items which is basically exactly how they do it in fallout shelter except instead of perk cards you can get different settlers and equipment and resources and stuff i would not be surprised one bit if that's what this is in fact i expect it to be that and i will be surprised if it's not that
1: Yeah, I mean, when I saw the loot card, or sorry, the perk cards, oh, uh, that screams loot box. And the fact that uh, they haven't done it yet is actually a little bit surprising, considering, you know, some of the other fuckery that they're doing as well. Uh, Should we mention their other fuckery? Uh, Yeah, just uh, to have full disclosure, yeah. Sure,
0: go for it. You do this
1: one. Oh, well, let's see. Um, well, I have to scroll all the way down since you didn't copy those. Scroll, 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 scroll. Uh, yeah, pretty much as far as, uh, uh Bethesda's dug so far.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've gone to the center of the earth. Uh, well,
1: let's see. Fallout, uh, 76 players are saying that Adam's shop prices are getting a little out of hand and they're pulling the old Macy's trick where they're, uh, uh, setting up a very high price. Or marking up things and then slashing prices, uh, to make it appear things are on sale when they really aren't. And then, uh, you know, that whole canvas bag thing? Well, yeah, they're, they're finally getting around to it. Uh, it's just going to take them four to six months to actually get them out. But hey, you get another five bucks of, uh, Adam. So now you finally got enough to buy that virtual canvas bag.
0: Yay. And this, the markup sticks around.
1: Oh, it's just, what the fuck, Bethesda? I mean, I had little uh, love for you left after Skyrim and seeing some of the stuff you're doing uh, with a uh, Fallout uh, Four,
0: but damn right. Yeah, Bethesda sucks, especially right now. See, I'm still still probably going to buy Elder Scrolls Six though. Just I have a problem with how much I love those games.
1: Yes, yes, you do. Don't, don't expect me to allow that in Game Club, though. Unless they severely turn things around, which uh, I'm not foreseeing. I was going to say, moment.
0: what if it turns out to be really good, though? Like, really uh, I'm, good. I'm
1: leaving the outside possibility in. Uh, But, you know, at, at that point, how much of it is them just leaving the game completely open? And then, you know, we'll let the modders out. No, no, no. That's what they're going to do. They're going to let the modders spill the game from scratch now. I mean, they practically do anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll throw out the basic storylines like, okay, get to work. Oh, but yeah, it, it's just, it's amazing how far uh, Bethesda's fallen in the last, what, couple months? Uh, have we had a week since Fallout 76 launched that they haven't had some
0: sort of major, major problem? No, the last several episodes of the show, every, like, there's been something about Fallout 76 and Bethesda for, for weeks now. The only week that we didn't have it was the one that we had to do a Franken episode. So, yeah, it's, it's been bad.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's amazingly how, uh, amazing how bad this has gotten, really, huh?
0: It's just embarrassing. Was it yesterday we were talking and you were like, what What else could they do? And I was like, they could kill someone. But I mean, nope, this is something else they could do before killing someone <laughs> that I completely like didn't think of.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, what the fuck? I'm getting sick and tired of talking about uh, Fallout 76. I uh, To too. be perfectly honest, I was tired of Fallout 76 uh, before they even launched and that's just because I live in West Virginia and it's kind of funny everybody was talking about Fallout 76 before it launched here and I mean everybody I mean non-gamers were talking about it and then it released and everybody shut the fuck up it went back to Country Roads and that's it (laughs) or some beautiful clean coal
0: just that beautiful clean coal ugh um. So, well, neither of us want to talk about Fallout 76 anymore. <laughs> so let's not. Let's go talk about something else. Um, our final sort of t- topic for the week, yeah. which we added like literally last second before starting the recording. Yeah, which, which is you didn't need to copy uh, that up
1: to the main thing, did you?
0: Uh, no, I didn't put a link. I just typed in my own title, An- which is uh announcing the Steam be- Club,
1: or sorry, the Steam Awards 2018 nominees.
0: Indeed. So Valve just posted this, and they've got all the nominees. We're going to talk about each of them, or at least each of the categories, um, for a few minutes and talk about what we're probably going to vote for. Voting opens December the 20th, which is going to be Thursday. Gee, that's that's
1: definitely not uh, when the Steam uh, Winter Sale is starting at all.
0: (laughs) So the day...
1: uh And it uh, closes on January 3rd. With the uh, with the winners announced in early February
0: 2019, gonna gonna be spending all all my money once again. <laughs> just here you go, Steam, have it.
1: Okay, so uh, let's just go down the list since they used the yeah you know, put up the big target first, right? Nominees for Game of the Year. Yep. Oh, you could tell yep. this is you could tell <laughs> you could tell this is a popular vote, huh? Yep. Uh, battle, uh, Player and Nuns Battlegrounds, Monster Hunter World, <sniffs> Kingdom Yay, Come Deliverance. that's what I voted for. Uh, Hitman 2, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey.
0: Yeah. The, the game I nominated was Battletech, but I knew it wasn't going to win. But on the list, the only other game... Well, that's not true. I've played PUBG, but PUBG sucks. The only game on the list that I've played is Monster Hunter World. So I kind of have to give it to Monster Hunter World by default. I mean, I love the game. It's a great game. So I'm happy to see it up here Mm -hmm. as opposed to some other stuff that could have shown up on Game of the Year awards.
1: Yeah, I would say I would have to give it to Kingdom Come Deliverance Uh, just out of these. If it was any other grouping, I'd probably want to give it to them. But uh, it's an ambitious game for uh, the uh, the developer studio. Yeah, the studio size and uh, the scope of it. Yeah, and uh, they dare to break some tropes where they make you literally a nobody. Uh, you know, you're not the all encompassing uh, uh, chosen one. But I haven't played yeah. any of these, so yeah, it's just be picking pretty much you know, what I would like. Uh, I would say Monster Hunter World's probably also up there, and I would say that's probably going to win it.
0: Nah, PUBG. I-, I don't know. PUBG's fallen off lately. It's still. Car- I think PUBG is still big enough to win it. Maybe not, but I think so. And if it's not PUBG, my next guess is going to be Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to vote for Monster Hunter World, but I don't think it'll win. I hope I'm wrong though. Um, then they've got one more game of the year, specifically VR game of the year. Yeah, I don't have a horse in this race. Me neither. Um, I mean, I've seen some of them, but I haven't played any of these because my uh my samsung gear v r doesn't play any of these games yeah so. let's see
1: the elder scrolls five skyrim v r nope v r chat well, i thought we were doing game of the year
0: i think v r chat has like many games in it though i don't know i, I, I
1: th- there's some weird shit going on so i never even looked at twitch streams on that it's just no, I just absolutely back away beat saber Fallout 4 VR and then Superhot VR. I would have to probably give it uh Superhot. Even yeah, even though I Superhot that that would be my vote, my prediction though is VR Chat.
0: Yeah, Superhot or Beat Saber, either one would be just cuz I'm even though I haven't played either of them, I'm well I've played Superhot non-VR. But Beat Saber's is a pretty neat game to watch. Um I think I would enjoy playing it, mm-hmm. so. But yeah, I don't I don't know, Skyrim Skyrim VR, that's my prediction Yeah, which saddens me Alrighty, the next category Nominees for Labor of Love Dota
1: 2 Grand Theft Auto 5 No Man's Sky Path of Exile and Stardew Valley Actually some very good choices I'm not sure if I would really put uh, Grand Theft Auto on there because they're not doing that out of
0: love, but yeah. Yeah. So I I nominated No Man's Sky, and I think that's what I'm going to vote for. Like, I talked about this earlier uh, in the year. Like, they have, they could have just taken the money and ran with that game, and they spent the better part of two years trying to deliver what they initially promised. And, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I think Stardew Valley is probably the next best contender, but like in my mind, just with mm-hmm. my experience with No Man's Sky, I think I have to have to. I'm gonna have to vote for that. Yeah, I think. For, but,
1: I think for me, I'm gonna have to give it to Stardew Valley, mostly because a of a news point that was announced fairly recently. Uh, the developer, uh, concerned ape, uh, who recently. Got uh, the publishing rights for everything, I think, except for the Switch version of it. Announced that he's delaying his other game because he wants to go back to Stardew Valley and make more content for it. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, to me, that's yeah you know, the very definition of it. Uh, Dota 2, I don't really see a lot of love there. I mean, there is a lot of love for the eSport side of it, but I just don't follow the game closely enough. Grand Theft Auto is a grindy cynical game No Man's Sky is I don't really consider a labor of, labor of love I could, I consider that a labor of obligation because they were at least in such a sorry state that they were ashamed of it I mean hell Sean Murray uh, he went radio silent for how many months?
0: It was a while it was the better part of a year
1: uh, Path of Exile, I would say, is the other one that really fits the uh, the definition of labor of love because they aren't fixing something that they broke. They aren't doing it because of an obligation that they feel. They are doing it because they love making the game, and they love making it better and better. And with the announcement of Diablo going full on mobile, yeah, that's a little concerning. Uh, it's a good day uh, to be Path of yeah, Exile. Yeah, I mean Path of Exile after uh the uh, Do You Not Have Phones saw a record number of players. But yeah, I think Stardew Valley has my vote for it. Just because there's only two games I really consider here. Maybe three depending on your how you view Oda two as the definition of labor of love. And for me it's Stardew Valley.
0: Yeah. Um, so next, the nominees for Best Environment. So,
1: Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, Subnautica, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Far Cry 5, and Dark Souls 3. Uh, I would say all these are fairly solid picks.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't remember what I nominated. Is there a way to see what you nominated Uh, for those? I'm
1: not sure. I think this is one of those that I just grabbed randomly. So it doesn't really matter uh, for uh, my uh, poll. Um, I would say uh, I would give it to actually to Subnautica because they it's one of the few games that actually depicts very well deep ocean life. And uh, one of the uh, other podcasts I listen to, uh, Creating Crowbar, they talk about the ocean willies, where diving deep and seeing that. Vast emptiness below you is actually very scary in Subnautica. So that tells me that the environment is very strong in that game. And environment isn't just visuals; it's the audio. It's uh, it's the visual. It's the audio. It's that sense of dread as you're uh, seeing that massive beast off in the distance. And uh, hearing uh, the whale cry of it, so yeah, I, I would yeah. say Subnautica for that. And, yeah, and, based on if and, and you listen closely, could hear Jim's erection.
0: <laughs> based on what's on here, I mean, I would vote for Subnautica. Um, you know, I can't remember what I uh, what I nominated, mm-hmm. but you know, what's on this list, Subnautica is definitely my first pick. Okay. So. second's probably Dark Souls 3 yeah. for you know like I like I've said before like I love the I would say uh, The Witcher like 3 would
1: probably be my secondary pick just because it's a very pretty game yeah uh, but I don't think it really trumps the idea of environment if it was for v- best visuals maybe but not environment and that's that's the key word here for me
0: fair okay. play Uh, so next, nominees for Better With Friends. So, we have Um, Counter-Strike
1: Global Offensive, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Payday 2, Dead by Daylight, and Overcooked 2.
0: I don't really care about any of the games on this list. Mm -hmm. I don't play any of the games on this list. And I mean, you know, most games are Better With Friends. What I would say is... I'm taking a look at
1: this as the spirit of Better With Friends. And there's one game on here that requires friends to play. And that's Overcooked 2. It's a cooperative game. A a Payday 2 is kind of in the same situation, but you do have bots. Overcooked 2 is a hard cooperative game. As in, there is no bots. There is no, you know, possibility of single play. And that's what's kind of having me lean towards it. Plus, Overcooked 2 requires a lot more communication. In Payday, you could eventually just learn the map and kind of do your own thing. And not have to worry about, uh, you know, interacting with your friends and talking back and forth. Overcooked 2 does not do that. You have to keep on top of things. You have to designate jobs on the fly you have to uh, work together as a team of cooks. So, yeah, I would say Overcooked 2 on this. Is it going to win? Maybe, maybe not. I would say uh, probably Counter-Strike Global Offensive just because they recently released a Battle Royale and went full free-to-play. So, you know, it has
0: the Battle Royale
1: people going into it now.
0: Yeah. um, I was between Overcooked 2 and Payday 2, despite the fact that, you know, I haven't really played either of those games. I agree with everything that you've said about Overcooked 2. Payday 2 is a game that's, though, like a game that like, you can play, but it's better with friends. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's kind of a semantics thing there. I If I had to vote right now, I'd vote for Overcooked 2. I'll probably vote for Overcooked 2 in a couple of days when it goes up. Well, uh,
1: since this is uh, probably yeah, one vote per day, so if it's anything like the last ones yeah. so nominees for best alternate history Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus Assassin's Creed Odyssey Hearts of Iron 4 Sid Meier's Civilization 6 and then Fallout 4 well Fallout 4 technically it would be alternate history uh, but it's not really focused on it so I would throw that out right away Okay. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, Hearts of Iron also, it yes, it can do alternate history, but it's more about fighting yeah, World War II, which has a very laser beam focus on this. I would say best alternate history for this would probably be Wolfenstein, because they build up a lot more of the lore of, uh, the, uh, well, the first the first re-released Wolfenstein game so yes all these can fit the bill but I would say Wolfenstein 2 did it best just because it enriches the lore it uh, revels in you know just how different things are because of the choices you make and how different the world is because of how history has happened up until that point
0: yeah I agree with you um this is another one I can't remember what I nominated but out of what's on there Wolfenstein to the new colossus is definitely the best um there's so much that went into the first game for the alternate history and I haven't played um I haven't played this one but i've heard that they did a lot of that in in this one too so definitely would be my my first pick uh, the other one, or the next one, nominee for most fun with a machine. Oh, my. So, there's Euro Truck Simulator 2, Rocket League, Near Automata, Factorio, and Space Engineers. And uh, I I uh, nominated Factorio, so that's obviously the one I'm going to be voting for because it's on there. Um, Euro Truck Simulator 2, a very strong yeah, contender. Th- yeah,
1: that's what I'm kind of leaning towards on this. Uh- I'm not sure if Rocket League really uh, uh, fits the bill of, uh, or the spirit of this uh, category. Technically it is, but at the same time, it's uh, a more mechanics based, or or, uh, this feels like it's based around more of a mechanic of uh, machines rather than, you know, just drive really fast and hit ball. Space Engineers is a tempting choice for me, but I think I would have to give it to Eurotruck just because of them constantly evolving and refining their simulation. So it's one of those games that looking at it, it looks so weird. Uh, Yeah. Why would anybody play this? But it's that Zen game. And maybe that's kind of going against the spirit of this category as well, because yes, it's fun, but it's also not fun. It's one of those weird games that it's uh, it's good because it isn't fun all the time, you know, yeah, well I would say the same would be it uh, would fall under factorio where uh, factorio can be a very frustrating game if you, you're not careful
0: yes, it can factorio can very easily turn into spreadsheet simulator, <laughs> but I love the hell out of it because I like that style of gameplay. So, space Engineers is doesn't really do it for me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. fun, but I don't. It's not the sort of thing that I'm thinking of. Like, it feels like the you know the the nuts and bolts of it. And yeah, sure, you craft things in Space Engineers, but it doesn't really get down into the nitty gritty of anything. Mm-hmm. So, in BattleTech, I almost dominated BattleTech. And I was like, I mean, yeah, they're mechs, but this is a strategy game, not the sort of thing that I felt like the category was going for. Yeah. So I swapped to Factorio.
1: <laughs> uh, shall we move on to the funniest topic uh, or the funniest category on here? Sure. Nominees for Best Developer. Oh, boy. CD Projekt Red. All right. I uh, uh, support that one. Ubisoft. Okay. <laughs> Weird choice. Bethesda, well obviously this was uh, obviously this was before Fallout 76 came out. Rockstar,
0: go fuck yourselves.
1: Digital Extremes Limited.
0: I don't I'm drawing a blank on what games they make. Warframe. Oh, uh, okay. Uh Square Enix. Eh.
1: Capcom, fuck them. Eh. Paradox Interactive, all right, uh, there we go. code Codamkai Entertainment. Eh. And clay. Okay. Well, <laughs> that that that's a that's a category. Uh, I mean, I, I so, pretty much uh, have to give it to Digital Extremes myself. But then again, I'm I a have Warframe, to give it Warframe guy.
0: I have to give it to Paradox because they're the publisher for BattleTech. I just I have to well, do. Well, it. the
1: thing is that uh, the uh, it's not just you know. A blind uh, love for Warframe for digital extremes. It's the fact that uh, they've communicated with their uh, community. They have uh, really well, they just released today the second part of a major update and uh, uh, released a lot of bug fixes, a lot of uh, changes to try to enrich the game. Uh, they're constantly in communication, they uh, are have become pretty much the most fair version of free to play out there. Uh, Is there loot boxes? Technically, you could argue yes, but they are not bought. You do not buy keys. They are a loot system inside the game. So it's one of those weird kind of splitting hairs on that one. But the fact that they've continuously developed and they continuously refined this game. uh, Yeah, it's hard for me to argue against it. I would say my second yeah. choice would actually be Clay. Uh, just because they're another one of those kind of weird developers that do their own thing. And Clay's style is odd. But at the same time... <laughs> as I pause for a drink of water. Because I've been talking a lot in this section and giving you a rest. Uh, Clay has a very distinctive style and their games are their own but at the same time they always produce at least some sort of quality. I may not always enjoy their games, but it's hard to argue that they're bad. Ah, <coughs> oh, sorry. It, you're fine. I, I needed to get a cough drop. It's hard to argue that clay games are ever really bad. Uh, They may not be your cup of tea, but they are highly polished. They uh, work a lot with the community. They uh, try to make the best games that they can. And it's, once again, just hard to argue against them. It's just I have more experience with digital extremes. Uh, The fact that some of these are just ridiculous that they're on here. I mean, Rockstar? Really? Yeah. Go fuck yourself, Rockstar. Bethesda? Nowadays? (laughs) Uh, Who do you think is going to win? CD Projekt Red?
0: Rockstar. See, it's it's probably going to be one of the two of them, CD Projekt or Rockstar, but I think even though you, know, you can't get Red Dead on Steam, I think that a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, Rockstar, they made Red Dead this year, and GTA 5 is awesome, even though it's not, mm-hmm. even though both of those games suck for different reasons. But... Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I have to vote for Paradox. They made my game of the year this year. Well, they didn't make it, but they, you know, supported and published my game of the year this year. They've also got several other games that I really like. They're not a perfect developer, but it doesn't feel like the games that they make are, like, super greedy and they don't come out, like, half baked. So, yeah. I'm going to be voting for them.
1: Yeah, At least, I, I at least there's a any... couple really good choices out of this mess. And they had to yeah.
0: actually expand it because last year they only had five and ooh, right? Yeah. They also said that they refused to, or they didn't put themselves on there, yeah. which was nice.
1: Yeah, because I imagine that <laughs> uh, they probably got a lot of votes. Yeah. I think I actually uh, nominated Digital Extremes because you know, I uh, Uh, I've uh, appreciated what they've
0: done for Warframe. Yeah. I I nominated Harebrained Schemes, which is the actual developers of Battletech, but, you know, I can settle for Paradox.
1: So, yeah. And that's
0: it. Yeah, we're done. That's all the categories.
1: Now, just come back in a few months to see if we were right. Yeah. And, of course, forget everything that we've uh, said that we uh, would vote for, and just vote for uh, our... uh, uh, wallets, right?
0: Yeah, because we're vote early, vote off. Because we're easily bought. Absolutely. If any of you uh, game developers or publishers or anybody, you know, you want to secure an extra extra vote or two, just send us some money. We do not accept
1: shark cards or coyote cards no. or whatever the hell it is in Red Dead. Gold bars.
0: I mean, if you want to send me an actual real life gold bar, hell yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll accept. But I don't that. want any. I don't want any gold bars in Red Dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, shame that, that they're making Red Dead even more grindy and awful than uh, GTA Online was.
0: Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So, yeah, that's that. Um. So, do, do do I'm starting to feel pretty tired. Yeah, let's skip uh,
1: Community we- Corner, uh, there's not a lot to talk about there. We didn't have any tweets. We didn't have any emails. So if you wish to populate uh, Community Corner, you can do so by sending it to vglpodcast at gmail.com. Or just tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter. So do we want to do a quick discovery cue once more to uh, before our uh, big award show?
0: Uh, I would I would be happy to pass, but if you really <laughs> want to do one... Uh, I could uh, uh, muddle through.
1: Well, we're at two and a half hours, so uh, it sounds like you're fading fast, so I'll let you go.
0: Okay. Thanks. Well, then that means we come to the portion of the podcast where I go first, and if you want to find my things on the YouTubes, the few things that go on the YouTubes, it's mostly just the podcast these days, and I'm okay with that. You can do so by looking me up, uh, Gaming Psychologist, on YouTube. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I tend to typically be much more lively, posted a tweet today about cake. I had a client who brought me two cakes, one specifically for me, and then the other one to share with my office, and that (laughs) was a really good start to my day. But you can follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to be friends with me on Steam, where I will chat with anybody, anytime, anywhere, and will gladly accept any games that you want to gift me, wink wink, not judge, uh, you can do so by sending me a friend request. My Steam username is JR34707.
1: And if you also know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Capitalism Ho!
0: (laughs) That's a good password.
1: And uh, very fitting for the time of year, isn't it? Yes, it is. And also the obvious one, let's be perfectly honest. So, for me, my content online is lacking because the YouTube channel is in hibernation for the next couple weeks at least. Uh, I am going to restart things uh, once things settle down for me. So, yeah, that's irritating. I'm pretty much just only active on Twitter for the moment. Uh, but Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes, I'm going to be restarting after the first of the year, uh, thereabouts, probably the week after to get things going. I've had uh, my third Let's Play uh, series pretty much picked for the last six months, but I just never sat down and recorded it. Oh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Twitch is going to be uh, even more sporadic than usual just because of things, but twitch.tv slash... Caffeine underscore rage over there, and if I do get a chance to actually stream, and you're not following me already, you can find out when I'm going to stream a little bit beforehand. By following me on the Twitter. Twitter is sorry, it's gaming with C R. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm fading a little bit as well. And scroll all the way back up. Uh, once again, if you wish to uh, get a hold of us, you could do so over at bglpodcast at gmail with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just tweet them to us at bgl podcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons has helped pay for this absolute madness and mess of a show. <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest; this one hasn't been one of our best ones, huh?
0: It's been, a, I
1: think, it's been good. Yeah, but your standards are low. Yeah, but if you wish to help support us you can do so over at patreon.com slash vglpodcast which has paid for our podbean account which hosts the rss feed the show notes and links to our, all our media online or what should be all, all, of our, all of our media online I'm not sure why that's such a tongue twister maybe my mouth is a little numb from the off drop that's a very real possibility but it's vglpodcast.podbean.com or you'll find us on iTunes Google Play or where other quality podcasts can be found. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. His music can be found at com. and.
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. See you next time. See
1: you next year, I guess I should say.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Bye bye.